Oh. Oh. <laughs> Week 14 is behind us, and happy National Best Ball Team Advancement Day to those who celebrate. This is Stat Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Darius Tony? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) We've been waiting all year for this, Drico. Uh, The fantasy playoffs are finally here. Everyone's counting up and tabulating all their advancing teams uh you're back from ireland did you bring back a little luck of the irish to your advance rate <laughs> fuck off <laughs> um so yeah obviously week 15 is is what it's all about like that's that's uh that's when everybody figures out did you play good or did you not play good but no more information to come and um yeah, we figure out who who uh, who had the highest advance rates, and, and and those are the best players. Yep. Um. So obviously, uh, that that week fourteen is is one event that that's happened recently. Uh, you had a, another event uh, over the weekend. You had you had a trip of your own. I I did. Yeah, you're you're actually talking to the runner runner up of the dog bowl. Um, I don't. They don't give, uh, you know, like fancy trophies or anything for that. But I did take all of the swag I could pack in my suitcase. Uh, So shout out to Underdog for this very comfy T-shirt that I'm wearing to represent the brand. Honestly, I I feel like I need to give them a little plug because so I I went to the DraftKings live final at King of the Beach uh, as a guest with Jay Fresh a couple weeks ago, also in Miami. That one felt a lot more like a business event, if that makes sense. It was like in a hotel conference room, very like, it felt like something I would go to for my work, you know? Um, People were nice, like it definitely was not as communal and social as the underdog one. Um, It was cordial. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, Like really, really fun event, really cool. The underdog event was, you could tell that they focused on making the event the most fun like community-based experience they could the venue was really cool it was uh it was a really cool little sports bar um had good food open bar uh yeah it was definitely a good time there i I just i thought the coolest thing was at the DraftKings event it was like when your teams got dusted like a lot of people just left and (laughs) the the sweat was for sure not communal it was like Everyone had their own little, you know, pod. It was them and their guests or, or maybe someone they knew. And they were sweating their own teams. And then once they were dead, they are out of there. Um, but at the the Underdog Dog Bowl live final, it was like even people who were kind of dusted and not like not live for, you know, a, a high finish were still out there sweating, like sweating their own climb up the ladder, sweating other people's teams. It was a really fun communal event. And uh, I I mean, people always say like, oh, the community that we have here is like, that's what's really good about it. But uh, like, honestly, it is. It was a really fun time to meet everyone in person and just get to hang out. Um, I was surprised how many people there 
were not in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. I mean, it was basically an unofficial Deposit Kingdom meetup. Um, but there were like three or four people I talked to who, like, they knew me from stat chasing, but they were like, oh, yeah, I'm not in the Discord. And it's like, you need to fix that. Like, so if if you're one of those people and you're here watching stat chasing, but you're not in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, let me just give a little brief plug for the Discord. So when you're on Twitter as a form of social media, it's kind of like you're screaming into the void. And then every once in a while, the worst people you could imagine show up to interact with you. And that's why I'm not a huge fan of Twitter. But Discord is way more like tight knit community based. It's kind of like being in a social club. And so the Deposit Kingdom Discord is really nice because everyone there has shared interests. You know, we're all sickos that are way too into fantasy football and drafting and best ball. Um, and lots of lots of really great people there sharing tools or sharing advice or giving away alpha. So if you're not in the Discord, I would highly encourage you to download Discord, get in the Deposit Kingdom channel. I think we've probably got a link for that in the show description or something uh, like that. But anyway, that's my plug. There is a, yeah, there's definitely a link to the uh, Discord in the in the show description. Um, so, uh, yeah, I remember a year ago, um, ship, when I, when I went on ship chasing, they said, yeah, here, here's the guys from the, uh, from the, the, what you call it, the sister channel. Welcome to the flagship. And now here we are saying, we're, we're saying, if you don't know about these guys, you should, you, you should check them out. Yeah. I, I was just surprised that there were people that watched the shows and, and weren't in the discord, but I, I get it. Like, you know, some people discord just might not be their thing or they hadn't stumbled across it yet. So wanted to, right. It's a technological leap for some people yeah. that is uh, highly worthwhile. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. Um, have, have made lots of cool friendships through the discord. Um, really looking forward to the next meetup that we get to have whether that's another live event or drafting in Vegas uh, for next year's best ball teams. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, let me, um, let me add our, uh, our first chart. Uh, so obviously we it's, it's week 15. We don't, we, we've been doing this for oh, almost four months now. Um, but quick, quick, uh, description of the chart we've got uh, adjusted yards per attempt which is like yards per attempt but it rewards touchdowns punishes interceptions we've got touchdown rate on a vertical axis and then the size of the bubble corresponds to rushing yards per game and then uh, the other sort of heavy caveat that we give with this chart is that it's an efficiency based chart and the the sort of like idea behind that was that a lot of quarterback scoring is down to good efficiency and uh, or say passing efficiency and rushing um, production because you have a quarterback, he throws three touchdowns, very efficient, lots of points. But I, I guess what, what we sort of like, uh, that we sort of come into is that we, ha we have seen quarterbacks who are efficient, but they don't have a lot of pass attempts and so that 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 is i guess that is the sort of like caution against somebody like russell wilson who has been efficient but 
not enough attempts to truly be a fantasy uh, um, star. Uh, he, he's been he's been okay, but uh, he, 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 not a, not a, as good as, as as sort of this chart would, would suggest. And then the other thing worth pointing out is so obviously most of the season is done, and I guess we we do want to be able to help people with their start sit decisions. Uh, as uh, I, I guess where possible in sort of high stakes and FFPC stuff, but the main the main the main actionable thing that we can do on this show is the best ball, actually, best ball is the playoff best ball stuff, and so that's that's going to be our heavy focus from uh, from here on out. Yeah, definitely, we'll we'll put a little bit more of a playoff best ball spin. Uh, especially underdog just dropped their gauntlet last week and they dropped the mitten uh, and the little mitten and the big mitten this week. So those are all really awesome contests. Some of my favorite uh, fantasy football formats at the play. So if you haven't uh, dipped your toe into that format yet, I would highly recommend it. It will almost certainly be your uh, if not your most profitable, it will definitely be the format where you have the largest edge because all it takes is a little bit of education and you will immediately be, be better than a large amount of the field. There's a lot of people that don't understand the format. And the brutal thing about the format, if you don't understand, is you can preclude yourself from even being able to win the, the top prizes if you don't know what is going on. And so that's why I really like the game. If you don't really understand the strategy behind it, you're basically drawing dead from the get-go. So uh, we we do cover that over at Leg Up. We've put out a free podcast over on the Leg Up YouTube channel and the Leg Up podcast feed. We just dropped our first premium podcast on the playoff contests this week as well. And we are going to have another one coming later this week. And uh, not to... Let's see. I don't know if Pat's going to be mad at me for teasing this here, too, but we do have a tool that we're releasing um, that we've been testing pretty rigorously all week, uh, just dialing it in, making sure it's good. And, and really the goal of it is to have it be like Pat and I are sitting right next to you, helping you draft. And we're trying to take away a lot of the more complex strategy points and what you'd have to think through on the fly. And we're just trying to present to you much simpler decisions where you're able to build out really strong teams. So uh, definitely looking forward to sharing that. But to, to get to the chart here, um, I thought Drico's point about the fact that we don't have passing volume on this reflected on this chart is really important. Uh, a really good way to illustrate that is, for example, you know, of course you're happy starting Brock Purdy in fantasy, right? He's He's been extremely efficient. Offense is one of the best in the league. Incredible weapons. Like you're, you know, Brock Purdy scoring three touchdowns in a week doesn't even seem, it doesn't even really even seem like a ceiling outcome anymore. It's like, yeah, three touchdowns. That's about right for, for Brock Purdy. The thing How is. How else are they going to score? Yeah. The, the thing is the, the 49ers don't throw the ball as often as other teams do. And so, for example, if you look at Dak Prescott, just based on this chart, you would think, oh, Brock Purdy might be better than Dak Prescott for fantasy. But the thing is, the Cowboys pass the ball like, <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. And so Dak is almost as efficient as Brock Purdy, but he's 
doing it with so much more volume that he's going to be a little bit more desirable for fantasy. Not a ton. They're both great picks, right? But um, that's just kind of what you have to consider since volume isn't being reflected on this chart. Um, and so to, to kind of transition this into, we'll do our first little playoff best ball spin here. Um, the quarterback is a really important position in playoff best ball. And it's really because you don't want to allocate a ton of capital to it. So you want to make the quarterback or quarterbacks you pick really count. And so that means that the pool of viable quarterbacks is pretty limited. So like, for example, I've been drafting a lot today and yesterday and like Tua is one of the worst quarterbacks that I'm happy to get. And I know that that seems kind of weird. You're like, oh, Tua's been great, and he's attached to Tyreek, and we'll we'll certainly get into the Tyreek injury stuff later. But Tua is kind of one of the last stops on the train that I feel good about. Um, and so, really, it's kind of a a difficult thing to wrap your head around where there's so few quarterbacks that are really viable to have you be live for the the top prizes in this uh, playoff format. Um, I thought that was, uh, I think that's interesting. So, um, uh, I guess my, uh, I, I, I haven't played nearly as much as you. And, and so I, and I'm guessing other people share this opinion that when you, when you sort of cramp down the number of positions that just by virtue of pure number of points that quarterback score, I, I, w I would have thought that it's actually a very important position. That way, when you get your 30, 40 points, that um, it's uh, that, that it absolutely pays off a high cost. Are, are, are you saying that's not the case? No, no. It, quarterback is a very important position, um, but there's weird dynamics surrounding it where the diminishing returns you get from quarterback from your first quarterback to your second quarterback are pretty substantial. And so you need to be really thoughtful about when you're taking a second quarterback versus when you're only doing one quarterback. And some of this stuff, I'll, you know, the, the deeper strategy dive stuff, I know not everyone here is going to play playoff best ball. So we'll, we'll keep that for the, the leg up podcast, but uh, definitely want to educate people who are interested in playing and, and get them at least away from some of the worst habits you can have. So for example, I have seen some people in discord channels talking about three quarterback builds or, Oh, well I built this three quarterback team and it's possible for it to win because this could happen and this could happen and that's a path. So it can win and it doesn't matter that it's thin. All you need is a team that can win to which I would say, you're a donkey. Don't do that. Don't draft three quarterback teams. Um, it's not good. Uh, so yeah, just, it, you shouldn't be doing that. If you, if you want to do it, you know, and donate money to the rest of the people in the contest, you definitely can. Um, but you really don't ever want to be taking more than two quarterbacks. So that's, that's just kind of a, a good rule of thumb. So just to add some nuance, we've obviously got our cover boy, uh, Lamar Jackson. And, and, and to me, he's definitely an elite quarterback. We've been pounding the table from all season. Um, but one one of the things that I, I'm looking at some of the uh, the, the available data for playoff uh, best ball, and I'm sort of surprised that if you look at a lot of the models, the Ravens are 
one of the highest, they've got the highest, one of the highest probabilities of making the playoffs, of winning the Super Bowl. And their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, he has an ADP on underdog right now, 12.1. And of any of any of the teams with that kind of like high Super Bowl odds, that's like uh, by far, by far one of the um, um, later ADPs for quarterback um, or, 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 or for first position, uh, for fir- first team player taken. And, and and I guess is is that sort of an example of, of, of maybe um even even though that the, the price is somewhat high the relative relative to the elites and the team uh, the team Super Bowl probabilities it's still good or have I just read that completely wrong no what I so what I would say about Lamar is the Ravens as a whole, as a team, were one of the most mispriced teams in the first week when the contest opened right away. So I tried to get as much exposure to the Ravens as I possibly could. Uh, now with the Ravens looking like they're, you know, they really control their own destiny as far as if they get the buy or not. Uh, so when teams get a lot of, uh, when the when the picture becomes more clear around which teams are getting the buy. Sometimes that can actually depress a, a price just a little bit, not a ton. You know, it, there's still a high degree of confidence in that that team is a, a Super Bowl favorite or one of the, the stronger probabilities to make the Super Bowl, which makes them a very desirable pick. But the buy definitely makes it a little bit more difficult to get that team through the first round. And so it, I, I do think Lamar is probably depressed further than he should be. And the rest of the Ravens are, are also depressed further than they should be. So I've been hammering that a lot. I really do like the Ravens as a pick. And then there's uh, kind of a, it's really more of a, a game theory and risk tolerance approach to what you should be doing around quarterbacks like Lamar and Purdy, who right now, those are the two teams that are the favorites to get the buy in their conferences. Some people will say that you should right now while there's uncertainty just draft only one quarterback teams pretend none of the quarterbacks that you draft get the buy so that in the scenarios that play out where the 49ers actually don't get the buy or the ravens don't get the buy those one qb teams you've drafted with brock purdy or with lamar jackson all of a sudden are really strong relative to the other two quarterback variants that the field might have been drafting at the same time because they were trying to protect their team in the event that the Ravens or the 49ers got the buy. And so I certainly think that's viable. The way that I do it is I'll draft some one quarterback versions of those strong buy favorites. And in certain lobbies where I'll get falling value on what I think are good second quarterbacks to take to help try and get me through that bye week, that's when I'll make the decision to say, this is going to be a build where I do draft in the scenario that the Ravens get the buy. And so I'm going to take Lamar with a second QB, or I'm going to take Purdy with a second QB. So that's a little bit of the, the thought process you want to be going through when you're determining, you know, do I take a second quarterback or not? Got it. And, and, and speaking of second quarterbacks, um, and 
as particular, particularly with the uh, the teams where the your first quarterback, you're pretty confident that they will get the bye, uh, or reasonably sure. And um, one of the things I wondered about was at this point with the uh, with the the more marginal playoff hopes still being very much in play. Um, are you are, are you just sort of leaning into that? Like for 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 just for example, um, I see that for, for example the Bills, they're given somewhere between thirty five and forty uh, percent play, playoff probabilities, and then Josh Allen is going I think pick twenty two, like that 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 definitely seems uh, too uh, too early, but then for example the Texans who and, and and we've been happy with CJ Stroud all year. They're giving they're given something like 35%. So like just a little bit lower and then their quarterback is way uh, is way cheaper. It, I, 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 like obviously I I've, I've sort of teed up like a perfect or or, or a good uh, comparison and uh, but are, are are you happy to to take the um quarterbacks of teams where it's more marginal or are you sort of sticking to 50% and above? Typically, I'm sticking to 50% and above. So prior to this week, when the Bills upset the Chiefs, I wasn't taking any Bills because they were still going basically around the same price. Um, their ADP has climbed a little bit, but you would get just people that I thought were playing the game suboptimally, taking the Bills basically as early as they're going now prior to them you know, nearly doubling their playoff odds by beating the Chiefs, right? And so I wasn't really interested in doing that because in the universe where the Bills lose to the Chiefs, when Kadarius Tony is not offsides, right? All of a sudden, those right. Bills teams are stone dead, right? They go from like 25% playoff probability all the way down to like maybe sub 10% if they lose to the Chiefs there. And so right. I wasn't... Now, now that they're 40%, and I think I think the Bills are a good example of a team that's way way overvalued like uh wait because like tampa bay are 46 percent uh on on pff anyway like green bay are 51 denver are 53 now they're probably not as 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 live if they get in but the the price difference is 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 just astronomical and and i guess just to get into what i'm asking um for these sort of like, th- these are marginal teams to make it. Is it still worth? Is it still worth it to to uh, stack to use a QB and, and and sort of stack up those teams at this point when there it's can, so? Yeah, there can yeah. be circumstances where it is uh, worthwhile to do that. But for example, for those really marginal teams you talked about, where if they get in. It, they're probably pretty big underdogs to whoever they play, like you know, right. the Broncos or the Falcons or you know the Bucks. The the big difference between those teams and the Bills is if the Bills do get in, their probability to actually win a game is going to be much better, and so that trickles through to their odds of actually making the conference championship, which is one of the things right. I think is most important to focus on which is one reason why I am drafting some bills now in situations where it makes sense. Uh, usually I never am going into the draft 
with that as my primary game plan. That's always like my plan B or what I need in the, you know, as a second quarterback situation type of thing, if it falls cheap enough to me. Um, but for those other teams, now think about what happens to the Bills ADP if they win another game. So let's say the Bills go out and they beat the Cowboys this week. Now what happens to the Bills ADP? It, 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 it It's obviously uh, the Bills. So what, what pro- do they go to like 60%? I don't know exactly what probability they'd go to, but it would certainly go up. But the point I'm trying to get at is the market will be even more bullish on them than the probability yeah. change would imply, right? And right. so because I was out on the Bills in that first drafting window of last week, I'm willing to get some Bills now. Because if they win again, I probably won't get very many more Bills teams. I'm, this is probably the last stop on the train for me for getting the Bills. Um, and so for those other teams like the Broncos or the Packers or the Rams or any of the NFC South teams, it doesn't matter if those teams become 100% playoff probability. Their ADP is still going to be super late. You can still get them with your last pick or last two picks. So there's no reason to expose yourself to that risk now. You can just wait and wait out the uncertainty there and get the exposure that you want in your portfolio later when there's more certainty. Whereas you can't really do that with the bills and get some of the combinations that you'd be able to get now. Right. That makes sense as like a, uh, the, the more they're, they're very visible. So like the market is going to be any very sensitive to any, change in their playoff probability whereas it, you you can you can probably wait for one of those teams marginal teams to get the 70 percent and, and their price won't change is, is what you're saying yep you can wait till you see it and um, yeah that that makes sense and um, that makes sense so like, like you said at the start, you're focusing on, on, on the players with um, um, 50% and above with a, a, a nuanced exception to, uh, for the Bills. And um, I, I guess that, that just sort of narrows down the pool a good bit and um, not a lot of, uh, I guess, not a lot else to it, is there? No, no. Yeah, we, we don't have to stay on the, the playoff best ball topic for too long because I know there there certainly are going to be some people here that are, are really just interested in, you know, start sit information or, or DFS or things like that. And so really the only stuff I had to touch on on the chart, um, you know, CJ Stroud could miss this week with the concussion. You've also got the Nico Collins injury. Um I do think that CJ Stroud is is one of those special quarterbacks that just elevates whatever is around him. So while you certainly would dock him a little bit in projection for not having Nico Collins, if he gets Schultz back uh, and he's you know he's got Noah Brown and Robert Woods out there running routes, I still think that CJ Stroud. I just think he's good enough that he's going to make it work. Just like now. This is this might come across as a little bit aggressive of a comparison, and I you know don't hear what I'm not saying. But what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes this season, where he has no weapons whatsoever outside of Kelsey, right? 
and he's still kind of making it work. You know, there's a lot of games where he doesn't put up a, a fantasy performance you're super excited about, but he's at least doing halfway decent. You know, I, I think I, I kind of look at Stroud as like a, a little mini Mahomes, you know, like he's, I don't, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not. The, the, the injuries to his weapons, it, it brings, it brings that down the expectation a little bit. It, it does. The expectation yeah. should still be high. Yes. Yeah, so you might miss him this week, but I, I would still say that there's going to be a lot of situations where you're looking at Stroud versus whatever other quarterback you could start over him. And I'm probably going to, in a lot of those situations, I'm going to be leaning towards Stroud. Um, so just, just wanted to put that out there. Um, so I, I, I know we, we, I know we said we, we were going to move on from playoff best ball. Um, but I have a really dumb question I want to ask you. So you're talking about um, teams that have sort of consolidated their playoff probability and then could actually make noise once they get there. Um, in terms of like the predictive models, the Browns are sort of predicted to be a team like that. And then if uh, Joe Flacco is the quarterback going forward, is that like just completely ridiculous? No, I don't think it's completely ridiculous. Um, we discussed the Browns and that whole situation for the team and how to play it in depth on the most recent Leg Up Premium podcast. So I'm going to keep that one uh, a little under wraps, but I'll just say uh, for for our purposes, no, I don't think it's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. So, 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 sounds like... Uh, you might agree with me, but you, you're 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 leaving some of the details to uh, to that podcast. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And any any other quarterbacks here? Uh, were, I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised, but uh, I mean, some of the we we've got to talk about what's going on with the Vikings. Um, you know, there's Josh Dobbs been benched. It looks like it's probably going to be Nick Mullins going forward. Would be my best guess. Right. I do, I do think that Nick Mullins is actually not bad. Um, like, I, I think there's a decent chance he's the best quarterback on the roster right now. Um, the best healthy one, anyway, outside of Kirk Cousins. But um, so I, I, I don't, you know, we've we've seen those good games from Dobbs. And so we're more comfortable playing Vikings weapons when Dobbs is out there because it, it just it's something that's more known. We, we've already seen it. But. You know, remember, Nick Mullins executed just fine in the 49ers system, which, you know, of course, is a system that absolutely anyone can, you know, any competent quarterback is going to be able to execute in that and look good. Um, and, and the Viking system isn't going to be quite as friendly. But, you know, if you get Justin Jefferson back and he is healthy, which, gosh, what an absolute tease, you know, the, the first week that Jefferson's back in the lineup and he just gets a hospital ball from Dobbs and gets blown up over the middle. Um, you hope hope to see him back out there uh, for this the fantasy playoffs here. But I would say that if Jefferson is out there, you know, you probably dock him a little bit for having Mullins as quarterback. But I, I wouldn't be overly aggressive with that, you know, compared to what you'd be doing for Dobbs anyway. So, so we're putting Mullins in, in the sort of competent backup QB where he doesn't just tank the team, like the the wheels stay up. The wheels may be frayed, they may be scratched, but they're still on the wagon. 
Yeah, like, I mean, we've already, we've seen some pretty great stuff from Jake Browning already. Like, he's looking very competent as a backup, right? And yeah. so, I don't know that I'm ready to say that Nick Mullins is all the way to, like, the Jake Browning level of competent backup, or, or at least the performances we've seen so far from him. Right. One of the big things that people forget about these backup quarterbacks is it's it's not as hard to do it for one or two games as it is to do it consistently week after week, especially when teams get film on you, when teams are right. ready to understand your tendencies and find ways to exploit you. That's when quarterbacks, that's like, that's what we've seen with Josh Dobbs, right? He gets somewhere, he's got a couple good weeks under him. Then the film is out. Teams are able to study up on his tendencies and they right. and, and that's a very frequent occurrence every yeah. year where like somebody like you, you've never heard of, comes out they come out flaming hot and then after it two games like they're just completely shut down yep the tape the tape's out no more secrets so um the really good quarterbacks are the ones that are able to do that consistently week after week so i still think it's probably too early to say that definitively about browning and we've got you know a low level of confidence that mullins is going to be competent but if i were going to place my chips on a, a bet, I would say I'd be more willing to bet that Mullins is in the competent category than, you know, being in like the Bailey Zappi category. Although Bailey Zappi had a couple nice looking throws on that Thursday night game. I mean, granted, he's still just abysmal on this chart. Like he does not look good, but uh, even Bailey Zappi can run hot every once in a while. Right. They're, they're NFL players. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are in the league for a reason. It's not just you or me coming off the couch like, I think I can throw it like 10 yards. Like, no, these, these right. guys are some of the best athletes in the world. So, right. When they get Trying there, really, really hard for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, I don't think there's uh, – oh, you got the Geno Smith situation. Um, I'm, from what I've heard, he should be able to be back and healthy. It was just a little uh, one-week stint from Drew Locke. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, if you're if you're in a situation where you're having to do a start sit with Geno Smith, that's going to be a, a tougher one, in my opinion. Like, so so let's just say hypothetically, both Jake Browning and Geno Smith are healthy next week. Who are you starting, Geno Smith or Jake Browning? <laughs> I think you still go with Geno Smith. Just my my opinion, um, fully healthy, um. It's it's like you said with the the Bengals doing the screen game thing, and, and then mixing it up with some good throws too, um, like it, it definitely feels like a dumbed down offense to to go with the strength of a limited quarterback. That is something that NFL defenses are going to be able to figure out. Um, so, and then Geno Smith, he he does. Obviously, he he's had his struggle games too, but I think he's he's had a longer sample size of, of of good performance as well, and so that I guess putting aside recent results, I I, I would prefer Gino personally. Okay, now I've got a question for you. I really I'm asking you this question rather selfishly. I need you to deliver me a healthy dose of copium. Um, so I had Justin Herbert as my uh you know primary quarterback on a you five shouldn't five start five. him yeah he, he well 
He was my primary quarterback on a 5-5-5 team that I managed to advance. The team looks pretty good. Almost no injuries outside of Herbert. I think it's got Corey Davis on there. And I, I want to say those are the only two dead roster spots. So it's got CMC, Pollard, Mostert, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen. Like it's it, Zay Flowers. It's studded. Yeah, team looks strong. Uh, the only downside is my last remaining quarterback is Desmond Ritter. So I need Desmond Ritter to make it through a 5-5-5 playoff gauntlet. Now, uh, for, for those of you that aren't out in the 5-5-5 streets on DK, the advanced structure is a little easier to get through. Um, you know, in these playoff rounds, I want to say it's it's one of six and then one of five. And then the finals is one of 29, I think. So can Desmond Ritter drag my 5-5-5 team to the finals and win me a million? You know, I hope so because I have a very similar team with uh, with Sean uh, and our two quarterbacks were Desmond Ritter and uh, Aaron Rodgers. And at some like if the team overall is good enough to have gotten through to the playoffs with Desmond Ritter as the only quarterback all year, <laughs> and it's like just give me a couple more weeks. I mean, he he threw. Was he the passing leader this week? I believe that he was. Um, I so, don't know. Yeah, uh, I think he was in fact the passing leader this week. Um, I mean, Drake London went absolutely nuke. Uh, so yeah, uh, I would just like to put in my request. I would hope so for Desmond Ritter one time for all the. Uh, he was he was uh, passing yard number two, and Brock Purdy had three hundred and sixty eight. Ritter had 347, and then Will Levis had 327. Yeah. Now, I've got another another fun one, um, some major copium required for this one as well. I managed to sneak a BBT th- team through on FFPC uh, just by the skin of my teeth. Now, it does have some quarterbacks, but this team has been tilting me all season because I had gone on vacation this summer. I I was doing this draft with a couple buddies, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm on vacation. Um, so like sometimes I might not get to the queue in time. I need you guys to make sure we're, we're on top of it collectively so we don't auto-draft anything. We make it to the last two rounds, no auto-drafts. We're doing good. We've got some guys in the queue. I think we had, you know, like we were, had Tutu and Puka in the queue. Uh, unfortunately, we get auto-drafted and Tutu was higher than Puka. So we took Tutu and then I, I take Puka out of the queue because I'm like, all right, that's enough dart throw at Rams wide receivers. You know, we'll, we'll ride with the Tutu. Right. Pick. You don't need you need don't need the second one. Nope. Nope. And so then I, I managed to miss that last pick, that 20th pick, you know, wasn't able to make it to the phone in time uh, before I got auto-drafted. And Ryan Tannehill got auto-drafted. We didn't have a Q set. He was just top of ADP. So we've got a Ryan Tannehill team on. It has no need for Ryan Tannehill whatsoever. It's got two functional quarterbacks. I think it's like Dak and Tua or something. And so what I'm asking you here is, Will Levis kind of hurt his shoulder during that game. You know, he dropped a shoulder when he was rushing and and tried to bowl over a defender. So do you think... Was this the one with Ramsey? Yeah, do you think that there's a chance that Will Levis gets himself knocked out of the game and Ryan Tannehill could be the guy that I need to take down the BBT? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you were able to keep a straight face for 
Yeah, it was. It was I'm just. I'm trying to cope with the stupid Tannehill auto draft that probably should have been Puka. Um, but anyway, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, imagine that it was a, a um, Sean. Uh, uh, that it was who's the the the, the Tampa Bay or V Tree the guy the rookie Sean that was yeah. Sean Tucker just imagine it was Sean Tucker <laughs> yeah it definitely it like, could be Sean Tucker I have plenty of Sean Tucker though on my big board team no what I'm saying is he'll score the same amount of points as Sean Tucker but <laughs> feel much better <laughs> that's that is a fair point yeah my man. As a brief aside, my big board team running back rooms are the funniest thing I've ever seen because I, they're like a lot of them are zero RB teams, but it's like Sean Tucker and Chase Brown and Izzy Abanaconda. It's like I've got like six running backs on a team and it's Raheem Mostert and like Tyler Algier are the only ones with any points actually scored on the season. So it's really, it's, it's honestly for the, the, the before the draft stuff, it's really hard to uh, keep a solid team together. Right? Yeah. It's you, fun. You're, it's fun you're just trying to find a needle in a, in a haystack. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that contest next year though. Um, I had a pretty good advance rate this year in it. And I, uh, I think I, I know where my leaks were. I'm, I'm looking to plug them for next year. I uh, yeah yeah I I I I've I've had similar moments where I'm like ah, I I I can see the mistake I made there. Yeah. All right. I think that's all there is to talk yeah. about on the quarterback chart here. Go ahead and move on to running back chart. Here we go. And so this is our. Uh, our running back snaps and usage chart, and so this is this this is essentially when a running back is on the field. We really want rush attempts, um, and 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 you can see that the some of the, these players mm, bordering on are, are close to forty percent of their team snaps is rushing attempts to them. Obviously, that that's helpful, and then you have routes, and and that's the percentage of their team's plays that these teams are running a route and that that's helpful because with the exception of CMC, mo most of them aren't primary sort of targets in the passing game. And so when the ball goes to them, it's because they're sort of secondary option. And, and the best way to take advantage of that is to just be on the field a lot. You've got pass blocking, which uh, helpful to know who's trusted to do that. And then run blocking, and uh, just because, uh, why not? Um, and so I, I guess I, I guess I think we should take a similar focus to this chart. Um, and I was sort of thinking about it that the the probably the most way, most helpful way uh, that we can our best way we can help people with playoff best ball is on those sort of marginal teams, or, or say on those. Uh, High, uh, high ADP, high expected to make uh, win the Super, high probability to win the Super Bowl. Who are the ancillary pieces that are, are worth sort of taking? Good, okay. good question. Um, so here, it, it, we're not going to run into a ton of the ancillary pieces um, on this start. On this chart, that's that's right? true. But, and so then, I guess the flip side would be. 
on the lower probability to make the or sorry lower probability to win the Super Bowl which teams have the stars that are such a high um, usage that if they do you're just running away with things yeah so really for me some of the guys that are at prices that I think are pretty attractive right now uh i really like travis Etienne. the sentiment on the jags is really poor right now the market is like certain that the jags will never win another football game for the history of forever um now you know you know right i, I don't know if you've heard but trevor lawrence is you know mangled beyond any right he may never walk again yeah no he's never going to uh in fact <laughs> i believe that shad khan petitioned the nfl to allow trevor to play from an electric wheelchair for next week. So <laughs> we're seeing if that's going to work. But no, in, in all seriousness, what I'm looking for are teams with really high playoff probabilities, like the Lions and the Jags are basically locks to make right. playoffs. And now, earlier, the Lions were going a little too expensive. Now they've fallen down a little bit. And what I would say with these teams where they're kind of a long shot to make the conference championship, um, but they do have good fantasy players on them, players that produce points and get lots of opportunities. I'm just being pretty price sensitive with them and I'm being intentional with the situations where I'm taking them. And so guys like Travis Etienne or, and I don't believe that either of these guys are gonna make this chart between David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, but those are both, um, the, all, all three of those are kind of in the same range ADP wise. Um, and they're all guys that I'm, I'm pretty happy to take when they fit my build. Um, players that have really strong roles, but as of right now, I have no shares of them. So this is, this is pretty important. I would say this is like probably more alpha than Pat wants me to give away on this pod. He probably wants to save for the premium stuff, but we're, we're going to give this one away to the, uh, the loyal stat chasing viewers. So these are players I have 0% of so far but they have really good roles. And it's not to say that I'll never draft them. It's just right now, it's not prudent to do so. So Rashad White, no Rashad White yet. Javante Williams, no Javante Williams yet. Saquon Barkley, no Saquon Barkley yet. Probably no Saquon Barkley at all. Zach Moss, no Zach Moss yet. Uh, let's see, uh, Bijan Robinson. I do have a Bijan Robinson share, but I'm really trying to avoid doing that there's some situations where the room just puts you in a bad spot and that's your cleanest path and you got to go with it but that's like a break glass in case of emergency and Bijan is basically the same thing as Rashad White so like the fact that I have a Bijan share and I don't have a white share doesn't mean that I view them differently they're like the same probability to make the playoffs they're basically the same as far as fantasy production of course Bijan is like the better player but for, for our purposes, they are the same thing. Um, let's see, another uh, Alvin Kamara. So, so that's kind of an interesting one. It's really the triumvirate of NFC South teams. All three NFC South teams that are live for the playoffs have running backs that you'd be happy to draft. Like by the time you're at that spot in the draft, you're like, and you need a running back, you're like, God, Alvin Kamara or Bijan or Rashad White are all looking pretty good right now. But do I really want to bet on this team making the playoffs? And I would say that 
you should pretty much never have that be your plan A. Don't ever go into a draft, get boxed out of running back early and be like, it's fine. I'll bail myself out with an NFC South running back. Like you'll be able to do that in a week or two weeks when that situation crystallizes without burning a bunch of dead teams now by sprinkling in those random shares of, of the ones that don't make the playoffs. Um, Speaking of teams with uh, not great vibes, but strong probability to make the playoffs, and then running backs with sort of like okay roles, what about Jerome Ford? Yeah, I'm going to defer to my <laughs> comment on the Browns there and say certainly <laughs> So just – you know, you, you can, my, you my probably, mission is to make you say that as many times tonight as possible. You can probably put two and two together. Um, but really, you know, the the reason that I'm not spilling all the alpha here, like, guys, I'm I'm giving away like everything. Like, I, I promise, like, I'm not holding anything back on. Like, if you're in the Discord channel and you've been talking about playoff basketball, like, you know, I'm just like yeah, sure. Here's all the advice I could possibly give you. Like, here's everything I know about this game. Like I'm really not hiding anything. And if it is something where I'm like, I'm actually going to save that for the leg up subs. It's because I'm doing that to try and return value to the people who are paying a subscription over at leg up. And so like, I'm for more or less, I'm an open book, but if you find a thing that I think is really valuable alpha, um, that I'm not willing to disclose, uh, you know, I I'm still, I'm going to give it to you in the leg up discord so if you're not in the leg up discord but you're a member definitely get in there like I, i've been answering are, are you trying are you trying to make me uh, feel bad right now no no I'm like i just taking, taking food out of the mouths of the leg up subs <laughs> what i what i want to do is i want all of our ship chasing members and you know our, our loyal patrons to this pod i want them to know like i'm not just hanging them out to dry like i'm trying to give away a lot of alpha man like I, i'm my my mission is that someone you know, wins, you know, hopefully multiple tournaments. There's, there's people that win multiple tournaments in these playoff formats from advice that there are, you know, things that they were able to glean um, from, from stuff that I shared. So, you know, if it can't be me, I hope that it's someone that I'm able to help. So, uh, but there are, there are some things where I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing right by the subs at leg up too. So I just didn't want anyone here feeling like they were getting the raw end of the deal or I wasn't, you know, oh, Sachs holding all the good stuff back for himself. Like, I'm not, I promise. Like, I'll, I'll share it all. But yeah, come come find me in the Discord or uh, or tune into the leg up stuff. Um, fair enough, fair enough. Sack wants you to do blank with the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> and we move on. Um. So I think I th I think that co covers us a little bit um, from uh, uh, well, well speaking of playoff stuff uh, another player with a great role is uh, Tony Pollard and I, I think I remember you being uh, quite in favor of Pollard um, I think it was I, the the week before last and I remember us having a deep a, a long conversation about it. And I guess with the idea that the Cowboys are, um, they're one of the, the strong favorites to make the Super Bowl, uh, Pollard uh, 
has one of the best roles on this chart. And, it, and if you filter if you filter down to just uh, playoff likely teams, it, like by far one of the strongest roles. And then his uh, his ADP is just is thirteen. Like, is is this another defer to the leg up podcast? No, no. What I'd say is, I, 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 I'm only I'm only teasing. By the way, <laughs> uh, I, I'm 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 using that as a a metaphor for really good, but I don't want to say. Yeah, no. Pollard just checks like all the boxes that we're looking for in playoff best ball, right? Like he's a guy with a strong role on a team that's a strong favorite to at least, you know, make they're they're locked in for the playoffs. They've got good probability of making the conference championship. Their first round matchup looks like it should be like regardless of how the playoffs It'll be a shit team. Exactly. Regardless of what seed the Cowboys get, their first matchup that they play is going to be an easy one. So that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's going to make it even all the more crushing when they lose. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the season where, as a brief aside into my Cowboys fandom, I gave up. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you, you have yourself to blame, man. Uh, I gave up on the Cowboys. I'm pretty sure I remember the date. I want to say it was October 13th. Let's let's just go back and make sure that's – well, it, it doesn't really matter, but I just want to see how uh, how accurate my memory is. Okay, and uh, just while you're saying that about Tony Pollard, um, I think an important part with the uh, – with all, with some of the – and I've definitely felt some of the uh, discourse about him having lost a step and being Zeke 2.0 and, and, and stuff of that nature. When you really shorten it down to the small number of games – like that stuff matters so much less, and like you, you, you really have to, to sort of hone in more on uh, these hard numbers, which is their their uh, their sort of playoff probability, the strength of the role, and you, you're not having to pay for it. Like ADP of thirteen is like insane, insanely reasonable for um, that combination. Yeah, so he, he just checks a lot of boxes. He's the kind of player that we're really happy to get on our teams. You know, you're, you're, you're pretty happy to get any of the running backs on the strong favorites to make the conference championship on your team. And so, But, like, CMC 101 and then Tony Pollard 13. Like, so, like, what's that, two rounds of difference? Or – yeah, yeah, you, you basically all the way back to the the turn, right? The two three turn. I, I will say that I made uh, I, I took my draft capital model that I had made for uh, you know regular season best ball, and I adjusted yeah. that and made some tweaks for playoff best ball. And I will say that the model basically looks at CMC like he is literally a god. Like it has, it has CMC so high. Like he is the 101 forever and ever in playoff best ball. Um and, and like it's CMC and then there's 50 feet of crap and then there's the next guy. So right. he's, yeah he's a he's right a so it, it's not it's not it's not correct to just to use him as a as a reference point just because of how rare all of his attributes so, are. Yeah, CMC is just so good in this contest. You know, not only does he is he like the highest fantasy point projected player, but he's also on the team with the highest probability of the Super Bowl. Like he, yeah, he's right. elite. But I, I mean, if if you 
if you look, okay, you've looked down the other way. You've got Devon Chan at pick 19, Swift or at 19.2. Um, I guess that that's another way of saying how much like it running back sort of tins out, which it, it is supportive uh, of the value there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before, if you don't have a running back early in these contests, you find yourself, you know, staring down the barrel of a, uh, you know, Rico Dowdle or an Elijah Mitchell or something like that at the end of the draft, or you're, you're trying to talk yourself out of Rashad White or Bijan Robinson because you're like, Zach told me not to take these guys yet, but I don't, I really don't want to just have Elijah Mitchell and Rico Dowdle as my running backs. It's like tough shit, man. Like, you made your bed now lie in it <laughs> right yeah you, you your your probability is are is already low if, if you if you want if you want to take Rashad white you're lowering the probability to make yourself feel better yeah exactly it feels comfier but you're you're gonna be probably losing money in the long run playing it that way so um, yeah not uh, not too much else I wanted to focus on here on this chart but let's go to the backups chart because yes yeah. have some guys that are going to be relevant for those late rounds uh in the playoff contests you know you mentioned devonna chan obviously he's not a, even a late round pick um but guys like david montgomery can be a real that's that's like a great backstop where you're like shit 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 i missed running back or i need i've got a running back that's probably on buy and i need someone David Montgomery is like oftentimes one of my break glass in case of emergency running backs where do I think the Lions are going to the Super Bowl? No. Do I think they can make the conference championship? Maybe. Like we've, we've seen this team play good football, right? Like they beat the Chiefs earlier this year. Someone just has to get hot. Yeah, they're, 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 you know, kind of backsliding right now. And they're, they're back to their old Lions bullshit, honestly. Like they're, they're just doing the silly Lions things like running the ball way too much, not involving their best weapons, um, just, you know, being, being right. Um, right. But we, we know that they can win. And so a guy like David Montgomery can be really valuable in this contest. I got a gross one for you. You want, okay, here's, here's a gross one that you have my blessing to draft. You, you ready for this one? Okay. Ty Chandler. Um so Ty Chandler in, in, in playoff best ball. Yep. So you're real well because huh. like I was gonna say you're 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 really hoping for the uh, the injury to Alexander Madison to sort of uh drag on and um, but there's also and, and and it's a it's a small doubt. I think this is a small doubt where during his injury, even if Madison returns during the playoffs, that and uh, and uh, what's his the how do I forget Ty Chandler and um, is playing so well that they just they just say to Madison now we're good. Exactly. Um, I I think though that that he re he really has to play very well. Now he, he he's been he's been playing good for sure, but I I think you have to see some like. Pretty spectacular stuff, and uh, for them to, to just because they they it shouldn't be a surprise for them uh, if he if he plays fairly well because he has been, and um, or but you know m maybe maybe uh, 
maybe it will be. I, I, I guess all, all I'm saying is so like, don't recognize that for sort of like one of the possible outcomes rather than like an, an inevitability. Right. Yeah. This is not me telling you to go load your bags up with Ty Chandler. This is rather me saying that Ty Chandler is probably a better pick at this point right now, this week with the probabilities that we have than Rashad White or Bijan Robinson or Alvin Kamara, just because, you know, two right. the, let's just say you went drafting your portfolio and you always found your spot yourself in a bad spot where you needed one of those late NFC South running backs and you drafted them at random, you know, and you end up with an even distribution of all of them. Well, that means about 66% of your teams are going to be dead because you took the wrong running back on two out of three of them. Whereas Ty Chandler is like north of 70% to make the playoffs. And yeah. sure, there are times where Ty Chandler doesn't end up giving you enough in the actual playoffs to, to do anything for you. But it, it's still a better bet than the NFC South running back. So right guys on this chart and especially with how late he's going and yeah he's free he's undrafted so like at at that spot you you like somewhere between five and ten it's it's not what you want but it's fine right it's yeah it's not the not the end of the world if you get stuck with ty chandler as one of your running backs um but there's lots of guys on this chart that are guys that i'm interested in for for playoff basketball like jarek mckinnon all of a sudden becomes interesting, you know, right. Maybe, maybe we get, maybe we get playoff jet again and he, he does the McKinnon things or he's catching, you know, little shovel passes for touchdowns and Pat Mahomes is doing the backyard football stuff. And I mean, God knows the chiefs need weapons. Right. And right. Would it, would it be the most surprising thing to you if we get to the playoffs and all of a sudden, Jarek McKinnon has his same role that he had when he was mm, healthy. Zero, zero shock. Right? Like, zero. The Chiefs already did this. They already showed us, right. like, Jarek McKinnon is old. We need him to have fresh legs. Like, he's so close to Dusty that last year, we saved him the whole season, and he still got dead legs, like, halfway through the playoffs. So, they're like, we got to extra save him this year. And so I would and, and then they come to the playoffs. They're like, yeah, who's who's Pacheco? They're like, oh, thanks for being a battering ram all year. Now, now, now you can you can take a rest. And, and what I think is going to happen is I think that Pacheco's still going to be the the running back one on the team. But I think that McKinnon can certainly cut in and and get a little more work than he has seen, and he can get those high value touches. And the later right. you progress in these playoff contests the more valuable low scores become, you know, because the scoring, what you need to beat relatively goes down because people have less active players on their roster. And when you get into the Super Bowl, if it's Chiefs... More than zero is good. More than zero is fantastic, right? So that's why guys like Jarek McKinnon are interesting. Even even guys like Kenneth Gainwell are interesting. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, um, if the Bills keep winning... I'm going to have a Latavius Murray share or two. I'm going to do it. It's going to be really gross. Speaking of gross plays on, on high probability uh, uh, playoff teams, is, when, when um, any interest in, in any of the, uh, the Ravens guys? Oh, yeah. Uh, interest in both of the Ravens guys and twice on Sunday. Um, 
I've even I have a Justice Hill share already. Um, so like, right. the Ravens are so good that any piece on the Ravens is valuable. Um, and and that's something people have trouble wrapping their head around. Like they want to take the player, like when you get to the last round and you're staring down like Justice Hill versus Bijan Robinson, like no one wants to click Justice Hill. But I'll tell you, Justice Hill is probably right about the same level of value as Bijan Robinson right now. And if you're playing for a scenario where the Ravens make the Super Bowl, he's a lot more valuable. Uh, so it's just, it's rewiring your brain to think about the game in the correct way. It's it's totally different than other fantasy formats that, you know, the skill of the players and their fantasy production means so much less than it normally does. So yeah, both Ravens backs are very interesting. Um, but I believe on this backup chart that those, all the ones that we've touched on now are the ones that I'm interested in. So you, you, you've said, um, you've said both Ravens backs. Um, are, are, are you excluding one of um, Hill and, and Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards? Yeah, normally I'm excluding Hill. I'm taking Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards on the majority of my Ravens teams. If I am in a situation where I really need another running back um, and I have a bet where it makes sense for Justice Hill, he's one where I would be willing to mix him in. I'm not going to have a lot. I'm, I literally might have one team or two teams with Justice Hill, but it's like he's a Raven. So the Ravens should get drafted. Right. And same same thing with uh, the 49ers. Like Eli Mitchell done nothing all season. Guess what? He is a 49er. So he is now draftable. Right. Or, or if you, you mentioned Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell, well, Kenneth Gainwell feels like super similar to Justice Hill. Yeah, yeah. Same. Like name same Brown, Brown, Justice Hill. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Um, nobody else here um, we're talking about. Um, well, I, I guess um, may, maybe it's worth diving into like a Chan um, well, he did, it seemed like he played. He actually, the Chan played a lot more this week than uh, than last week. So let me just confirm that that's the case. So, um, Devana Chan in week fourteen. So he played twenty nine snaps, and so he. I guess he only he, even uh, Monday night. Uh, he only played. 42% snaps. Yeah, what I will so, what I'll say about Achan's usage is he played about the same percentage of snaps, but when the snaps came was different, right? In the previous week, all of his work came when the game was out of hand. They rested Mostert, and it was kind of like, a, I think Gretsch called it extended preseason for Devon Achan, right? Just a right. Hit back, kick the tires, make sure everything feels good get you some work, you know, get, get you back in game shape uh, and get ready for the playoff push here. And then in the game that mattered last night, he was getting work all through the game. You know, they, they actually, what was really interesting to me is the Tyreek Hill role was occupied by a Chan and a mixture of Barrios and Cedric Wilson. It was like, we can't, it was a, it was, the most moneyball thing I've ever seen is like, well, we can't, you know, have anyone step in as a one for one replacement for Tyree kill, but we can recreate him in the aggregate. So a Chan, right. you're the fast Tyree kill and Barrios, you're 
jet-sweeping, gadgety Tyreek Hill. And Cedric Wilson, you're downfield Tyreek Hill. And with your powers combined, you're all 70-ish percent Tyreek Hill. <laughs> yeah, worthless. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, even even with that low uh, snap share, um, his expected points was... He had 18 expected points. Now, he like, he's RB3 in playoff basketball. And so not really talking to the market there, but I know I've definitely heard like sentiment as like, Hey, why, why is H Chan's uh, projection so high? Why don't people like him so much? Like, even though he's, he's not, he's that he's not the starting running back, but he, it's, it does seem like he's got like a particular role now. And it's, it's, I guess, especially with Tyreek out, that like it's it's not even right to call it a, a, a I'm not I'm not sure what I'm trying to say it's 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 it's, 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 yeah. it's different it's than an unusual was. role but yeah. it still scores points yeah it's the most efficient rushing offense in the league right and they it, it's it's honestly very similar to the San Francisco system and, and so you've seen this before with backs like Devonta Freeman and uh, uh, Tevin Coleman, like you could have two guys that do, you know, really well in that offense. They both can be viable fantasy assets. And then it just so happens that you have such an electric offense that scores so many points. And really, I mean, as a, an aside about what Tyree Kill does for this offense, gosh, the, the contrast between the Dolphins with him on the field and without was pretty stark. I mean, I know that it's it's a long shot for Tyreek to actually win MVP, but I feel like last night was the best case you could have that Tyreek is the MVP in the league because you saw that Dolphins team go from like absolute nightmare for a defensive coordinator to deal with to you know they were they looked very mortal uh, without Tyreek right. on the field. So I. You know, my my two cents is Tyree kills the MVP, which, uh, you know, feel it feels weird to like stand Tyreek because I have so much Tyreek exposure. He's like, in my opinion, clearly the MVP. I also think he's like probably still a pretty garbage person. Like he's done some really awful stuff. But so right. it feels very weird to stand Tyreek Hill. But I, I'm trying to separate who he is as a person and who he is as a football player, because there's lots of guys that, you know, in the league past present and i'm i'm sure future that they're going to be great athletes do great stuff on the field and they might they might not be the most uh might not be the best examples of what we should look up to off the field but re regardless he has an enormous impact for his team yeah and that definitely notable and, and, and we're at uh speaking about uh through the lens of uh fantasy football it's it's honestly one of the it's a worry for me uh with some of my, I've obviously had heavy Dolphins uh, stacks and exposure. It, it is a worry for me that if um, if they can't figure out the Tyreek stuff, that like it could be that the Dolphins offensive stacks become go from like high um, advanced rates to the playoffs that are just like landmines in the playoffs. Yeah, what I'll what I'll say to that, and you can you can move us onto the next chart while I finish this point here, because I know we've taken a little while to get through these so far. But what I think is going to happen next week is, regardless of if Tyreek is active or inactive, 
this Dolphins offense is going to look a lot better than they did without him on Monday night. And that's because Mike McDaniel is a good coach and he will have time to come up with a plan. The, the fact right. that they were operating off of a game plan where they, you know, of course you're game planning around Tyreek every week. Like that's your best player. You, you right. should be game planning around him. And so when he's out, all of a sudden you're trying to adjust on the fly. Now they have an entire week where they've got an expectation of, is he going to be active for the game? If he is active, how many snaps can we realistically use him for? And then, like I mentioned, you know, we saw a Chan kind of get some of that Tyreek Hill work, um, you know, running routes out of the backfield or doing some of the, the jet sweeper gadgety type stuff um, where I would anticipate a Chan taking even more of that on. They'll probably use a lot of a Chan and Mostert on the field at the same time and, and have a Chan in some of that Tyreek Hill role. And then they'll have you know, uh, a smarter way to deploy those receivers of Barrios and Cedric. Right. Because one of the things about the Dolphins, too, is that they're, like, very, very fast. So, like, the, the, there's other parts to Tyreek's game that they just can't replicate and, and, and replace. But it's like I, I, I do have confidence, confidence that they're going to have very fast players on that, on that field, and Mike McDonald is going to find a smart way to, like, Take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're on our running back efficiency chart here. And, you know, if you're just now joining us in, you know, week 14, uh, uh, I don't know how you got here uh, if you weren't here earlier, but I'll, I'll give you the breakdown for what this chart <laughs> is, is showing us here. Uh, the x-axis is the expected fantasy points for a player uh, based on their opportunities and where they come on the field uh, for rushing. And the y-axis is their expected fantasy points for receiving. And so then where their dot is located on the chart uh, is going to be in these little diagonal kind of tiers or, or bands of expected fantasy points total for the week. So, for example, we see Kyron Williams here with... 20 or more expected fantasy points here. Absolutely elite role. He is in the Todd Gurley role and he is wearing it well. Um, Kyron Williams is like, if we had to redraft right now for the final three weeks for the fantasy playoffs, I think Kyron Williams is probably a top three running back, right? Like, right. It's just the role is elite, elite. Um, and he's doing well with it. And it's so much of it comes from the passing game, too, that it's just it's a guy that can't get game scripted out. It's a guy with a really strong floor and an incredible ceiling. So, uh, yeah, like Kyron's incredible. Now for playoff best ball, it's not a guy I'm touching right now. The Rams are too low a probability to make the playoffs. And in the event that they do make the playoffs, as they are rising, their cost in ADP is not going to rise enough where I'm punished for not having Kyron Williams earlier. So that's a guy I'm willing to wait and see on. Um, I mean, other, there, there's not a ton of takeaways that we're going to give you here that you don't already know. Like, you know, that you're locking CMC in every week. Uh, I guess we can touch on Zach Moss here for people that might be having start set decisions with Zach Moss in the playoffs, because for my eyes he's turned back into a pumpkin he looks much more like the zach moss of the buffalo bills than he did the zach moss of the early season indianapolis colts here and i don't know exactly why that is it's probably 
you know, a confluence of factors. I, I would say his legs probably aren't as fresh now. You know, he he got beat up a little bit over the season, and he's wearing the the workload of an NFL season on him now, and that that certainly could be it. It also could be he was just he was playing out of his mind early. That he he knew he had an opportunity. He only had one shot. He didn't want to miss his chance to blow, and uh, he balled out for a little bit. But the role is still really good. But dude has not been efficient with a role like he was earlier in the season. So Drico, do you think that what we've seen from Zach Moss lately is the new normal, or do you think that the pendulum will swing back towards the middle and we'll get something in between what we saw early season versus the last two weeks? I think while uh, Taylor is out, Zach Moss is in the Rashad white tier of like strong role, not a great player. And we'll, 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 we'll be some volatility there. Cause like, and Rashad White has had this role all season, but his start to the year was, like, awful. It was terrible. And so, like, I, I think those are just games that you have to expect to be in the range of outcomes for players in that tier. And, and so if, if, if it, it gets more interesting, like, I think that probably the most interesting start to decision might be, like, Zach Moss or uh, Kenneth Walker. Hmm. And like, it's like that. That's that's probably where it's it, it's sort of tricky, because uh, Kenneth Walker is like, it is really good, but then you you never know when when his like his what what's going to happen with his role and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think anybody anybody better than and then Kenneth Walker, you're uh, you're you're start you're without any question starting. Uh, Zach Moss, but anybody worse, like I'm, I'm starting Zach Moss over Chuba Hubbard, right? Like over, sorry. Yeah, I think so. Um, Chuba's role is pretty good too, though. Chuba's also in the Rashad White role now, right? There, I think. I think all three of those guys are kind of right. That's fair. Um, I, I do have a couple that I thought were good, um, like start sits. And, and the way I think is going to be the most helpful for people is rather than giving them a start sit for this specific week with you know, respect to the matchup that they're going to be in, let's just kind of do it matchup agnostic. So like, you know, things will change. Matchups are different. Injuries happen. You know, stuff's going to change over the course of these fantasy playoffs. But just in a vacuum, you want Zach Moss or do you want James Cook? And uh, James Cook, uh, yeah, Jalen Warren. Sorry, just by the way, Jalen Warren. That, that's that's what I meant to say. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, um, but okay. let's let, let's keep going. Uh, Zach Moss or Javante Williams? And I I think I think that's sort of like a. It is. Yeah, it's Javante. It is Javante. I, yeah, I think that's a really close one, right? Because it's like the the Moss role seems like a little more secure. Like Javonta's role is is growing and looks really good, and he seems like right. the better player with more talent and upside. But Moss, we feel like a little bit more confident in projecting volume for him. So I think it's tricky, but I I do agree it would be Javonta for me as well. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Here's a here's a I don't know that this one's particularly close, but I I guess worth it might be a decision people have to make AJ Dillon or Zach Moss. 
and Zach Moss. Yeah. AJ Dillon has looked a little better lately, but I, I do agree it's Zach Moss. Uh, it's like he, he, he would he, he he won't have the role to be in the uh he's played himself out of like any chance really of being in the Zach Moss role. Here's a here's an interesting one. Um now granted we saw this guy get back to his usual uh, check down magnet ways last week, Austin Eckler, but he's also losing work now to Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller. Austin Eckler, Zach Moss. Um, Jeez. How stupid is this game, by the way? Like if you ask, if I asked you this on August 1st of this year, You'd tell me to get the fuck out of here, Austin. Yeah, Zach Moss. Yeah, I, I think I think that with with um, Herbert out, I think that does push it in, into Zach Moss. It's so gross. I think it's pretty close. I, God, the charger the Chargers look so so bad to me though. Like that, you know, that's what I'm saying. The the craziest thing to me is. A lot of people, and myself included, I won't, you know, hand up. I, I thought that Kellen Moore would do a lot to help the Chargers' offense. It turns right. out now, as a as a diehard Cowboys fan, there were lots of things that I didn't like that Kellen Moore did last year. There were lots of there was stuff where it's like, dude, why? What is this play? Like, what are we doing here? Or like, wow, that was some really cute Boise State gadgety bullshit. I bet that looks really good when you're playing against future Safeway bag boys, but this does not work in the NFL. Um, but of course, the Cowboys offense was like number one in points while he was the offensive coordinator. So I, I thought that he was at least like pretty good with the Chargers. I don't know that that's the case. Like, is Kellen Moore a fraud? I know we're, like, way off the rails here, but, like, are we <laughs> Kellen Moore fraud territory? Because he was, like, getting potential, like, this guy could become a head coach candidate if he looks good with the Chargers, right? Like, that was for sure in the rumor mill during the summer. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, like, snap to a judgment. No, I know we, we've had almost a full season. And um, maybe some, maybe some uh, other factors involved. Like they have had injuries, and like with those injuries, like Quentin Johnson has become like forcibly a key part of the offense. Like they did not want to make Quentin Johnson a key part of the offense, and they say they simply had no choice. Which is a, uh, an entirely different problem when your first round rookie wide receiver that you took a, ahead of multiple other great rookie wide receivers that we're seeing ball out in their first year when it's a problem that you have to involve your first round rookie wide receiver there's right. something wrong with this <laughs> you, you may have a yeah you may you're, you're there may be some dysfunction within your team yeah there's there's a lot and, and, and that was my next one I, I i do wonder if like it's so some of the issues that calamar is having is like from the systemic from like the head coach because I, I, I don't want to say he's bad, but when, when you have these frustrations build up and like the way him happened to like being forced to go from like very aggressive to like just a, a standard boomer coach and 
it there to me that is some indication there that like he's not a he's not a, a strong coach where he he's like respected and, and and just gets to do what he wants or or, or gets to call let's to uh, command things and so I, I I wonder if that could be like a yeah an an obstacle for Kellamer to work through and, yeah but I think it, it's certainly true that. What of, of Kellen Murray's success at, in Dallas, and uh, you you have to assign a good portion of it to uh, Kevin McCarthy, like w- w- that we weren't aware of before. Like that's new information. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to for us to evaluate these NFL coaches from the outside looking in. But one thing that I'll say is we should pay attention to when these guys tell on themselves. When, when they make a decision that we know is a really bad decision, there's lots of stuff where we might not have all the details or we don't understand. You know, we get frustrated when players that we really like or we're excited about for fantasy aren't being used as much as we want, right? Everyone wants more Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, why is it right. getting more carries, right? Um, but there are times where a, a coach will make a decision that is demonstrably bad. And that's right. like the four fans calls. Exact. That's exactly what I'm getting to. And, and so, when a coach tells on themselves like that, when they're doing something that, like, any good Madden player, like if you were playing Madden competitively online, and like no one is making that mistake, and if they do, like you're getting laughed at over an Xbox headset, like, right? Then it's that's that's a good enough context clue that when the seven year old is calling you stupid, yeah, stupid. it's a good enough context clue that this guy these coaches that make those types of mistakes don't know what they're doing uh, at the very least on like a macro level. And, you know, this is a tough league. And so if you don't have, if you don't have it on a macro level, it doesn't really matter if, you know, you're good on the micro or, or vice versa. Like you gotta, gotta be able to put it all together. But anyway, that's enough. Uh, so just to make that like usable. If, uh, if the Chargers coaching staff is in place next year, like, is it an F coaching staff where we just have to like severely dock players or is it like one of those sort of D coaching staffs where it's, it's not ideal, but we'll work with it. I think it's closer to D because we've seen elite production from Keenan. We, you know, we, right. I think Eckler still would have produced right. without it, the high it, angle. It, and if you hear my question, as like, uh, do we fade Keenan Allen next year? Like that, that, that would be silly. And right. that would, I, I, I guess may, maybe, uh, I don't know. Does that even impact like some of the like secondary pieces? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I think actually, as I think through this, a good way to play that in best ball is um, be happy to take one or two of those players, but be more hesitant to take deep team stacks on teams like that. So like, for example, if Arthur Smith is still with the Falcons, and of course this is all going to be price sensitive, right? Like we, we don't know what the prices are going to be, but like if Arthur Smith is still with the Falcons, I'm way less excited to take like a Falcons team stack then. Like I might get one or two Falcons pieces at a good price. And so, you know, same thing with the Chargers. If it's still Staley there, I'm I'm much less excited to take a full Chargers team stack. I might take a you know one or two pieces, but getting the full you know four or five player team stack is something I want to do less of. 
on those right. coaching staffs that I think are are really bad. And it, it's got to be at the absolute extremes, right? Because these coaches, they're not on the field. Like Brandon Staley is not out there taking snaps for the Chargers or running routes or anything. Like the impact he has is relatively small, although, you know, right. it's fun to blame these guys for stuff. But when they are at the extremes, like Arthur Smith or Brandon Staley, you know, I, I do think that it's worth baking that in a little bit to our decisions. But that's enough of coach chasing here. Let's move yeah. on to our next uh, running back efficiency chart. Oh, my God. Um, we're, yeah, we're really – we're slogging through this today. We're, we're like, all the way off the rails. Um, so, the same, so same, same chart as the last one. Um, the only difference why there are two charts is because there's too many running backs to evaluate for their efficiency to have them all on one chart. It would get too crowded. So, I just split them up by – rank um and so i order every running back based on their total expected fantasy points and then i go down the list and odd numbered running backs in ranks go on one chart and even numbered running backs in rank go on the other chart so here we see uh this is the evens chart uh and so we've got a bunch of guys that are just almost to that 20 expected fantasy points threshold a couple of the guys that we talked about actually for you know, running backs that are, they're the the sirens of the playoff best ball running backs. They're, they're calling you to come draft their attractive expected fantasy points, hoping to get you to dash your playoff best ball roster upon their rocks in Bijan Robinson, Alvin Kamara, and Rashad White, all sitting there with great expected fantasy point roles. But again, if you drafted these guys at random and had an equal amount of all of them, 66% of your teams are going to be dead. That's not a good bet that we want to make. We want to wait for a little more clarity. And then, then we can happily pile in. You know, if the Saints make the playoffs, we can happily load up on some Alvin Kamara on the teams where we need a little extra running back firepower late, right? But he's not going to shoot up. Alvin Kamara is not going to be like a sixth round pick or anything, you know? Um. so... Uh, one thing that's sort of like it, it jumps out to me uh, how small the Charbonnet bubble is. Um, and it also seems notable to me that Kenneth Walker, he was back up to a 60% snap share in uh, in week 14. And so it, it, is that like a uh, sort of like yo a little bit of a yo-yo situation developing there where um, – they did. They wanted to see what get Charbonnet involved, see what he had to offer. But if he hasn't played well, and uh, even if there's like limitations, limitations to Kenneth Walker, where there's some frustrations, what what he offers is is uh, something that's good enough to relegate Charbonnet more, more than before. Yeah, I, I would say. What I think it'll trend towards as we go through the fantasy playoffs is Kenneth Walker getting more and more role. I don't think Charbonnet will go away. I think you're always going to have yeah. some Charbonnet working in there, right? And so what that does for me as far as how I'm viewing these guys is Charbonnet is not really startable, most likely, you know, unless you get Kenneth Walker right. out. Um, and then as far as Kenneth Walker is concerned, I've got him – pretty low on the totem pole as far as like running backs that I'd want to start him over just because the way that Kenneth Walker, you know, butters his bread for fantasy is he hits a home run. 
right? And, and he's not doing it at such a high rate. He's not like a Devonna Chan where it's like this guy touches the ball ten times. You just put it in his projection. Yeah, two two of them are breakaway touchdowns, right? Kenneth Walker is like he touches the ball fifteen times, and in some games, fifteen touches was enough for him to rip off a huge touchdown run, and in other games, that was fifteen for forty three yards, right? And so, for me, it's like Kenneth Walker is uh, like I'm, I'm certainly starting him over Samaj P Ryan. But, like, I'm definitely not starting him over David Montgomery. Uh, you know, here's here's an interesting one. Um, we've got a lot of ambiguity with the Ravens' backfield. Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, Kenneth Walker. Out of those three, pretend you have to pick one. That, that Those are your three running backs you're choosing to start for your last running back spot in the playoffs here. Which of those three are you starting in a vacuum? Yeah. In, in like a regular uh, playoff or fantasy football playoff. Yeah, uh, so you're like start, in an FFPC yeah. main event or something, or you're in a home league, and, and you I mean, you're starting. You're, I, I think you're starting uh, Kenneth Walker over the Ravens guys. Like, uh, with with uh, to me, zero hesitation. Okay. Um, you, I know you want like a better one? team. What's that? You want a grosser one? Okay. Ezekiel Elliott or Kenneth Walker? Um, I think I think I'm starting Kenneth Walker over the uh, over the, the the Zeke stuff. God, the workload yeah. is just so good though. I don't know. The workload is good. He's going to get targets and if they get to the goal line, he, it's going to be Zeke. Um I, I just think I just think that with uh, with Kenneth Walker's work role with that sort of trending up, um, and like I know he has those things where like if, if he's not breaking off huge runs, you're not getting an awful lot. But Kenneth Walker is really really good at, at, at the part of the game that he's really good at, and like when it hits, like that, that translates really well to fantasy football. Like I remember at the start of the year. Um, Kenneth Walker uh, was was a great great fantasy producer, and if we can get closer to that sort of work role that he was having, um, like I I, I would still prefer him uh, over uh, Zeke. Yeah, that's a it's a I think that's a good point, and it's good to remind ourselves like, hey, you know, work workload matters so much for running backs, but talent does still matter to an extent. It's just it's bad vibes on the Seahawks. Not that it's not bad vibes on the Patriots. It's just the role, <laughs> the role for Zeke is so attractive. But yeah, I think that was good to to talk through to give some people some some clarity there. If they're because Kenneth Walker feels tough to start right now. You know, if you have options that are close, right. it definitely feels a little scary. Right. You, you don't you don't feel comfy starting uh, Kenneth Walker by by, by any means and. Um, if you have someone, well, I know he has the role, and I, I, I still think the, the upside uh, helps you quite a bit there with uh, with Walker. One guy that I want to list. And, 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 uh, sorry, and uh, just the, the 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 snap share that he's getting now is better than is is a good bit better than the snap share he was getting just before the injury, when uh, when. 
he he wasn't scoring much at all. So like I, I like I I think I think it it, it does seem to me that uh, we're getting cl- uh, like I think it's important that it seems like we're getting closer to the work row at the start of the year than the pre-injury uh, work row. Yeah. Um, one uh, one guy that I want to list as an honorable mention who does not did not get enough expected fantasy points yet to crack onto these charts. Uh, but I would, ex- I, I would just say to uh, keep an eye on this guy. Um, you know, if you're in a home league and he's still somehow on your waivers, this is probably going to be a, a waiver priority this week. But I think the secret's out on Chase Brown. Um, I don't know how the Bengals uh, didn't know this about Chase Brown earlier in the season. That's one of the most frustrating things to me as a fantasy player is sometimes we find these guys that we think, you know, their prospect profile is so good and we evaluate them as this should be a player that immediately is going to have a role on a team because you've got a running back that is aging out and, you know, they'd certainly be wise to get themselves away from Joe Mixon just with, you know, his contract and, and you know, he's on the, the wrong side of the age apex. It made all the sense in the world to see what they had in Chase Brown. And it really just seems like the Bengals were playing scared with Chase Brown earlier in the season. They wanted to really play it safe and stick with the devil they know and Joe Mixon while Joe Burrow was healthy. And while they, they thought they had a you know good look at the playoffs, and then now that Burrow's out and it's the Browning show, they're willing to give Brown a little bit of a look. And what do you know? The guy can ball. And uh, so, yeah, he, he doesn't crack onto these charts just yet. But if he's on your waivers, he's definitely an exciting add for this playoff stretch. Um, he looks electric. Uh, I, I hope that his price stays depressed next year in – you know, way too early best ball so I can load up because that's that's my uh, that's like my Jalen Warren for next year. I'm going to call my shot right now on Chase Brown. That's like the Jalen Warren of next year. It, and if you look at the last game, it does start getting like really interesting because with these guys who have the, the like the low snap share or low snap count and then electric and uh, production with like a low touch count. One thing, one thing that seems does seem to be important is, are they just on the ball? Or sorry, are they just on the field seven times and they get the ball six, or do the coaches like trust them to like be on the field if they're not getting the ball and told run this way? And you know, uh, Chase Brown he did get like a pass blocking snap. He did get um, he got eight routes. Um, in that game, so that 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 to me is like evidence of like them trusting him more than like a get on the field to get the ball off the field guy. That's that is a great shout, Drico. I think that is super valuable info to have and really strong signal for there is something a little it could be a little sticky here with Chase Brown. There, it's it's not just like. It's not like a, a Deuce Vaughn type of thing where it's like, this will be fun. Let's let's give this right. electric guy a couple touches and like, all right, go go back on the sideline, Deuce. Like, good job. That was really fun. The fans love you. Um, no, it's like we need to we need to figure out exactly what Chase Brown is. And I would not be surprised at all if we see 
the, you know, the home stretch here of this season right. is prime. Let's figure out what Chase Brown is territory for the Bengals. Um, and then, you know, as a, as an extension, dear God, I hope that the saints do the same thing with Kendra Miller, please, please bail out my <laughs> Kendra Miller bags. <laughs> I need bailing it so bad. Yeah. But I, like, yeah, it, I I do think it's important to like understand the distinction between them being asked to do a role in the offense that isn't just them getting the ball, like because yeah. like the idea that the coach is trusting them to act like an adult and like perform a responsibility that isn't being a ball carrier, it 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 is important. It's really important for them getting their roles ramped up. Hundred percent. Um. All right, we've been we've been lollygagging. We've been having a lot of fun, just kind of chopping it up, going into all kinds of fun topics. But let's move on to our tight end utilization chart here. So uh, this this tight end chart is just showing the percentage of team dropbacks uh, on the x axis. The green bar is showing the routes that the tight end ran. And then the red bar, or salmon-colored bar, if you will, is the blocking, the pass blocking that the uh, the tight end did in their percentage of the team dropback. So we're not a huge fan of the pass blocking. We definitely prefer the route running. And then over on the left-hand side, we have some nifty stats to help us evaluate how valuable those routes really are. And those are ADOT and targets per route run. So you can think of targets per route run as how frequently are these guys actually getting the ball when they do run routes. And then ADOT is, and how valuable are those targets when they're getting them? Um, so it's all kind of a function that works together. And it's, you know, it's nice to see Travis Kelsey back on top. Um, you know, you, you got to be happy for the guy. Uh, he, he was kind of hanging out a little lower in the chart for a while. Uh, and again, I don't think I, clarified this on the running back charts earlier but for running back and tight end charts we do a four week rolling average because roles can change for those positions as the season goes on um and so we want to look at what's happening recently to try and pick up on any signal or trends that are worth noting i think um, what's interesting with uh kelsey being up the top there and uh, when whereas he was much lower so that's got to be a sign that they see him as uh, fully healthy now, right? I, I agree. And that's it's interesting to me because I thought he was not like just last week. He looked not healthy to me. Um, mm -hmm. And so I I wonder if it's it, it might be the kind of thing because it was an ankle for him. Right. That was giving yeah. him problems. It might be the kind of thing where the pain isn't bothering him anymore. He's able to do a full workload, but he's just, he's lacking a little bit of like the cutting and like, and that might be what the issue is. So he might be like healthy enough that it's not bugging him, but not full strength. Right. And so, but at tight end, you can kind of get away with that a little bit more. Right. Then right. Can it, like when, when we see Tyree Hill unable to cut, it's like, Oh man, I mean, he's still fast. He goes straight line very fast, but like, like we saw in after he came back in the game, like he ran his route and then he wasn't like trying to juke guys out after the catch and go for the house call. It was like, whoo, let me get out of bounds because I do not want to get tackled right now. <laughs> like my right. ankle is killing. So um, good, good call on Kelsey's health there. Um, man, 
the Evan Ingram, I gotta, I gotta talk about Evan Ingram a little bit for anyone that followed the dog bowl stuff. Um, and, and if you saw on the stream, Pete was, was talking to me and I, I said the only change I made to projections all week. So I aggregated ETR projections with a couple other sources and did my own little uh, flavor on some value above replacement stuff that I do to build my rankings out. I typically am not going to touch the projections unless I really have a spot that I am very confident that they're not correct. And the only note I had for every single player on the whole slate was boost Evan Ingram. And damn, if that was not very prescient, I, I wish that I had uh, had the stones to get to Evan Ingram there, but it just didn't, didn't work out for where I was drafting. But the reason I bring that up is not to highlight uh, how much of a crystal ball I had, but to highlight how predictable Evan Ingram blow-up games are, because this is not the first Evan Ingram blow-up spot that we've identified. You know, when he was playing against the Steelers with a really strong pass rush, and it was looking like it was going to be a bad weather game, we identified Evan Ingram there as well as this looks like the short ADOT quick outlet that they're going to use to try and beat that pass rush and you know, not have to worry about completing longer, difficult passes in bad weather. And that was the reason why I was excited for Evan Ingram again this week with Christian Kirk out not operating in that short area of the field and with them going up against a very formidable Browns pass rush and really good Browns pass defense. I, I thought that Evan Ingram again was going to be the skeleton key for how the Jags had to move the ball down the field against them. And so when you get players like this, where you can identify the smash spots beforehand, it's extremely valuable. And it, it, it's it's not to say that every single time we identify Evan Ingram as a smash, he smash, but it is to say that this is something that we can predict with a lot more confidence than some other players, right? And so for me personally, I'm going to be looking at Jag spots as we go through the season. And if they're ever in a situation where I think they need that low ADOT guy or they're up against a formidable pass rush, I'm, I'm lock buttoning Evan Ingram. You know, like I didn't play anything on DraftKings this week because I was really focusing on the dog bowl. But if I had, I definitely would have been rolling Evan Ingram as my tight end. You know, probably would have done a lot of Lamar stacks. I was high on that too. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, darn, I wish I had played some on DraftKings this week because those were two of the nut pieces. So, um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight that because when you get a guy that's that predictable with those kinds of so spikes, Evan Ingram in spots where uh, Jacksonville have a, a, pa a pass rush mismatch against them. Yep, hundred percent. Because th th that's what he does best. Yeah. Um, and then moving on from Evan Ingram, other guys <laughs> that I think are worth. The, I don't want to do him with as much confidence as I would Evan Ingram. And for this next guy, I think it's even a little bit different just because the quarterback situation is different. And like he, he's running deeper routes uh, recently. But David Njoku, his ADOT, uh, I believe, has actually come up a little bit, which I know sounds funny. He's at 4.1. I'm like, yeah, his ADOT's up. It's like, but no, <laughs> Njoku is like getting absolutely no air yards um, earlier, but this last week he did get a deeper pass from Flacco. Um, 
but he does, he is a lower a dot guy and in the past i had i had tried to do the same thing with Njoku that i did with ingram when you know when the browns need to do those quick hitters and you know blitz beater type plays maybe some more tight end screens i'm looking at that for Njoku. but i would say ingram is the the guy that i have the highest degree of confidence in for that specific type of matchup exploitation yeah he yeah uh, he def- his air yards are definitely up like if I looked at uh, week eleven through fourteen, and uh, he had he averaged fifty four air yards a game, and then if I looked before that, it was seventeen air yards a game. So like, obviously that that's that's not a dot, and um, but I I I think there's something to that where he's like he's getting targeted down the field. Yeah, and it's I think it's a function of Joe Flacco more than anything. Um, that so is what I would think too. I've got um, I've got a guy here that I need your opinion on because I think it's pretty relevant for playoff best ball. So we talked about that I have recently uh, allowed the Bills to be back on the menu for me for playoff best ball. Wasn't drafting him last week. After the upset, I'm drafting him now. So Dalton Kincaid goes right around uh, Gabe Davis. They go very close to each other in ADP. Uh, You also have some Bills players that go undrafted, like Khalil Shakir, right, or Deontay Hardy. Are you taking Dalton Kincaid over Gabe Davis? Or it's a team where you've got the... I don't think I'm ever doing these as a one-off, by the way. There's no way in hell you're getting me to draft Bills without Josh Allen. I'm, I'm only drafting the Bills because it was a spot where Josh Allen made sense. And then when that plays out, I benefit disproportionately because it's like, sick. I got a quarterback the caliber of Josh Allen for fantasy. And, and now I got them in a situation where it's actually worthwhile for the Bills. I don't really ever care to have like a Dalton Kincaid one-off, right? So just for, for people to know, it's it's only with Josh Allen. But on those Josh Allen teams, are you doing some Kincaid, some Gabe Davis? Are you mixing and matching? Are you strongly preferring one over the other? What do you think there? Um, I, I, I think it's sort of like a... A little bit of a toss-up like it it's obviously early in Kincaid's career but uh, it does seem clear that uh, his he, he's not sort of like a high uh, high he doesn't have the, the sort of upside the points upside that Gabe Davis would have where like he can get like eight targets and I don't know 80 yards and 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 and, and and that can be a good game. And then Gabe Davis will have games where he just he just doesn't have a catch. But then he'll have games where he catches two long bombs and, and, and you, you need him to win all the money. And it, it, that, that, that's honestly something that's difficult for me to parse through uh, for uh, I, I, don't, I don't have I don't have the, the experience with uh, play as best 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 ball. Uh, to really answer that, um, I don't think. But what what I would say is like, when you have a player like uh, Josh Allen, uh, one of the best ways to play Josh Allen is like having multiple cheap guys, because he's like the the quarterback who, who can 
get those sort of non uh, uh, digs pieces into huge days, and, and they can both be players that you absolutely need. So I don't know if that helps anyone. Yeah, no, I I, def- I think that was a, a good analysis there. So I, I think in summary, it's fair to say that you'd probably mix and match them. You're you're not right. always taking one over the other. You're you're mixing and matching. Sometimes you might end up with both if it's a build where you need multiple. But um, as far as other tight end actionable information uh, that we have for people, I think Jake Ferguson's a really really interesting piece for playoff best ball. I, you're more you care so much about the team in playoff basketball. So like he's a cowboy and he gets targets and he also gets end zone targets. Like if the Cowboys make the conference championship or the Super Bowl, that's tremendously valuable. Like he doesn't need to go nuke. And he's he has shown us that he still can have pretty big games too. So he's definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on for playoff basketball. Um Dallas Goddard goes kind of I, I feel like I've seen him sliding lately. I wouldn't be surprised if when ADP updates, Dallas Goddard's ADP's dropped a little bit. Um, I just think sentiment, the, the vibes are bad around the Eagles right now in the market. And so right. that's that's one that I don't have a ton right now, but I'm kind of keeping my eye on it. And I would bet you that next week is Eagle buying week for me. Um, and that's kind of how I play playoff best ball is – you want to exploit what the market's giving you in that week. And that's part of building out your portfolio. So like I said, last week was Ravens week for me. This week, bills are on the menu. Um, and there, there's some other stuff that I'm you know, looking to exploit that I won't, I won't bore you all to tears with here. But um, anyway, you just you want to be paying attention to what's happening in the market and trying to, to change with it and pivot and exploit it. But I don't think we yeah, have I, th- I think um... With, with, let's say versus the uh, Goddard versus Devonta Smith in playoff best ball stuff, like it, it, it's clear that the way the Eagles offense, or it is to me anyway, that the way the Eagles offense it goes is that usually one of those guys is going to have like a, a smash week, and and they all have those smash weeks at like different frequencies. Like AJ Brown has the most of them, and then after that is Devonta Smith. And then after that is Goddard, and like he at a lowest tree, he's he's definitely the lowest, and and and, and probably mostly because he's he is a tight end, but I I do wonder. So you've got Devonta Smith there going at pick fourteen or so, and then Goddard going at pick thirty. Like, does he do it so much less frequently that in a a, a situation where um. He's going to. The, 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 it's it's three games that they, that they'll play, that we're we're so confident that two of them won't be Dallas Goddard games, like that 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 one definitely feels like a very interesting spot to me anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm definitely looking at that as a a spot that I might want to exploit. And really, the thing that I'm pretty interested in is it looks hard for the Eagles to get the buy, in my opinion. Um, I think fair, fair, fair. I think San Francisco probably has it pretty locked up. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, sorry, I misspoke on that. Oh no, no, you're you're good. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just saying that if the vibes continue to trend the way that they are for the Eagles right now, 
and you can get a full Eagles onslaught. You know, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, DeFonta Smith, uh, DeAndre Swift, Dallas Goddard. Like, that's pretty attainable. It's already attainable right now. But what I really want is I want to be able to do that and mix in one other high-caliber piece from maybe a Super Bowl opponent. Like, I mix in a Chiefs piece, or I mix in a Dolphins piece, or right. a Ravens piece, right? And and then I'm off, and I'm cooking with gas. And I got the full Eagles onslaught, and maybe they get it together and make a late push in the playoffs and you know get back to the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, I've got every Eagles player covered, and I happen to have a guy that you could only get during a certain window when the vibes were bad on the Eagles, where you were finally able to mix in, you know, you, you got a Travis Kelsey with your Eagles, your full Eagles onslaught, like, and, and it's a rematch of the Super Bowl from last year. But anyway, I, I think that's all the time we need to spend on this tight end chart. Um, briefly yeah. flip to the backups here for me. Um, yeah, no one, no one here that's really even worth spending any time on. Um, if you're like not, not at this stage of the season. If you're super disturbed and you're doing like a Chiefs stack and you want to throw a Noah Gray on there for the Super Bowl touchdown, you know, playing it like a showdown slate for playoff best ball, I, I won't get mad at you. You know, if you're telling me you like Noah Gray over Kadarius Tony to be the guy that gets the touchdown of the Super Bowl, like, sure. It's uh, it's week 15. You can do your own backup tight end analysis. <laughs> so here we've got the wide receiver opportunity versus fantasy points. And at uh, this chart, we're focusing on the uh, the receivers with 85 to 100% of their team's routes, their, uh, of their team's dropbacks, they're running a route. On the horizontal axis, we've got weighted targets per run which is targets per run, but it rewards um, throws down the field. And um, it rewards those more than targets closer to the line of scrimmage. And sort of because we expect that to sort of like correlate more heavily with fantasy points, we've got a fantasy points per game on on the vertical axis. And, And... you can see that you can see like there's a pretty like easy to draw trend line between those two things, but then it also creates this sort of like interesting like quad map where you can see getting lots of down the field targets, scoring lots of points. You can see the likes of uh, Hollywood who is getting down the field targets, maybe not scoring so much points. You can see uh, as we go clockwise here the section where it's like not getting targeted, not scoring points. And then you've got the scoring points, but not necessarily getting the targets to justify those. Um, it's, and it's it's sort of interesting here. I see uh, Calvin Ridley is, is like straddling all four, all four lines. And it's like, which which way will he go? Yeah, um, the, uh, the Calvin Ridley four corners uh, experiment here. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I do think Calvin Ridley, if, if you have to pick one quadrant that you think he'll move in that direction, I just think with the Christian Kirk injury, we're going to see that Jags offense consolidate really, really heavily to you know Ridley, Zay Jones, and, uh, and Evan Ingram. And, you know, they'll, they'll mix in their, their rookie, uh, whose name is escaping me right now, Parker Washington. There we go. Um, he'll, he'll get mixed in, but I mean, 
didn't really have like 14 targets. I think Zay Jones had 14 targets. I think Ingram had 11. Like this, this is looking like it might be an elite fantasy offense for the passing game. I mean, shoot, you're happy with ETN too. Like they're looking pretty attractive for vibes are bad on the Jags right now. Like we talked about, you know, cause Trevor Lawrence is never going to walk again, but right. I mean, Drico, what if I told you that I could get Trevor Lawrence as my second quarterback to help get one of my bye week teams through? Maybe I, I got a 49ers stack and I'm trying to get Trevor Lawrence to help get me through. And then I get two receiving options with him. And those guys are good for 30 combined targets in week one of the playoffs. Like, and I'm able to get all of that, you know, in the sixth round and later to go with a pretty strong 49ers stack. Does that sound like something you might be interested in? Right. It's a, it's a pretty like good prototype of uh, the, uh, the secondary stack you should build. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it, it sort of takes all the boxes there. Yeah. Uh, I do have some really good news um, on this chart. And that is that we are one CD lamb alpha game away from him being the king of, of the wide receiver opportunity chart. We are going to get Keenan Allen with Easton Keenan Allen with Easton stick. And, you know, I, I just have a hunch that Keenan Allen might see his fantasy points per game, uh, drop a little bit with Easton stick. And, uh, I mean, CD lamb's looking like that alpha man. I, I want to say it was week two that I said, CD lamb is moving up and to the right. And it aged poorly for a couple weeks. It didn't look great. In week four, you were like, he's moving down to the left. I I may have capitulated too early because my original take was spot on, Draco. CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver one overall. He's the alpha that we deserve. Um, Very, very hyped on CeeDee. He's he's balling the fuck out. So that's been fun to watch. So uh, I I don't want to – uh, so it's just opinion down there. Are, are, are you saying that um, uh, next year you think CD Lamb should be the first receiver gone? No, but I'll definitely be taking CD probably in the top five next year. I think. Right. I I I, I think that's where he'll go. Yep. And and if he yeah. doesn't, this is this is the really crazy Cowboys pricing dichotomy that you get in best ball, and I've noticed this for all my years playing best ball. You will, I, the Cowboys will never be appropriately priced. The Cowboys will either be way too expensive because you're getting irrational exuberance from Cowboys fans and they're all drafting them and way too early, or the Cowboys will be way too cheap because Cowboys fans are snake bit and they're refusing to draft Cowboys players. And then you also just get the general sentiment of the market hating the Cowboys because they're the most fun team to hate and you get them pushed down from that bias there. So I feel like the Cowboys are like the team, the market never can price correctly. So I pray that next season they fail to price them correctly, but I have a sneaking suspicion that they're, they're going to price CD lamb up next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that is true. And so do you think that, uh, his, uh, his playoff festival ADP is appropriate? I, I see he's sort of like second wide receiver, ADP of three. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty efficient in my opinion. Right. Cause he's, he's got the alpha share of like a, 
a team pretty much guaranteed to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, Garrett Wilson has been – Garrett Wilson doesn't know how to do anything other than catch every ball thrown his way. That man is so, so good. If if we had gotten an Aaron Rodgers season with Garrett Wilson, he also would be going top five next season. He is he is possibly already a top five wide receiver in the league. Like I right. think he's that good. Um he just he looks so different than you know, you, you see him that's that's a that's a dude that is uh he's just built different than a lot of the other you know, even the top receivers in the game, like that guy's special. So, um, and, and we got a, a game that Zach Wilson showed a little bit of competency. I mean, it, I'm not I'm not counting on that going forward, but you know, if you have Garrett Wilson in a managed league and you're you're wondering if you, you know, can start him or not, uh, I think at this point you're just at the the spot where it's a start your studs kind of situation, and you just got to roll them out, right? You know, QB play, right. you just got to do it. And uh, I guess um, asking about Amon Ross and Brown. So he's one where it, it feels like um, you, it feels like you're playing the, the lines as sort of like one and done or like that. That feels like the most likely for them. Um, is someone like Amon Ross is like an ADP of 21. Is that like OK to pay for like a one off piece? Or, or let's say you get like a round of value or something like that. Yeah. Or, or is that too expensive to play one-off pieces? I look at the Lions a lot like the Jags, right? So there's situations where you need those players, um, and you'll know them when you see them. And so it just depends on what side of the conference you need, what other pieces are sliding in the draft, what other people have taken in the draft. Has anyone opened Lions in their game tree? Has anyone opened Jaguars in their game tree? Um, and, and understanding the implications of, you know, those players being available. And, and also, like, what, what the, even if they haven't already opened Lions or Jags in their game tree, what the game tree is that they're in, if Lions or Jags would be appealing to them. And so understanding, like, will this be uh, a path that would be contested for me where I'm not able to get all the the pieces that I want at value, or is it something where this is uncontested because of the way the room has shaken out? I can go for a really sick Lions backstack that can get a bye week team through. Um, going going through all the game tree stuff is something we're not going to do here because we've already gone. Well, I, I just just to go back on my question, um, are, are you sort of telling me that like an ADP of of twenty one here? It, it, it's still too expensive unless you think there's a viable way for you to to build out that stack. What I'll, what I'll say is the majority of the time, there's many other players I want to take before him at that point in the draft. He's often not my first choice at that spot in the draft. It would require a really specific run out in the room for him to be the best pick at that point in the draft. So I'm willing to take him, but typically I'm taking him when he falls. Okay. Yeah, that that, that makes sense, and and I think that that is when the one-off sort of makes sense. Is like you're you're, you're getting value. Uh, let's see. Any anyone else here? I don't. 
Yeah, no, no one that's really like no major changes or anything. Like a lot of these guys, they are they are what we thought they were at this point in the season. Um, anyone I mean, that you wanted to call out before we go to the next chart? Um, yeah. So I see. Uh, I see Jordan Addison. We were talking about Vikings and and, and them, them being like a seventy percent uh, probability, uh, uh, or yeah, a high, a high probability to make the uh, the playoffs. And like Jordan Addison's going undrafted. Now I know he he's in the bad section of the, of the chart, and you have uh, you have the issues that we've had at quarterback for uh, um, for the Vikings, but. That that seems like a little interesting if, if he's going to be undrafted, um, and um, like he he he's definitely still like an exciting like rookie. Yeah, love love Jordan Addison the player, super overweight on him in best ball. We'll draft him aggressively next year. Love loved his prospect profile coming out. Thought he was one of the best wide receivers in the class. I will have zero Jordan Addison shares in playoff best ball because. There's lots of times where Justin Jefferson goes undrafted. Um, okay. And and so that's fair. I, yeah, I, I never need, you know, I, I don't think the outcome where the the Vikings make the conference championship is very likely at all. You know, it, we're talking like all-time miracles for that to happen. And so that's what would need to happen for me to be considering Jordan Addison. The way that I'm likely playing it is like, Justin Jefferson one-offs only and and occasionally with whatever quarterback as the situation uh, crystallizes. But yeah, he's he unfortunately does not get to make my player pool for playoff best ball. I uh, I I have to say I, I'm I'm comfortable being the person asking the dumb questions or, or saying the, the the dumb things as as like maybe an instrument for you to to make these points like. I I, I want to be pretty transparent. I, I, uh, I, I I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to like faci- facilitate conversation, but uh, it, it it's definitely not uh, not something I have a lot of uh, experience in. And they're they're not dumb questions though, Drico, because this is the most different format than any other type of fantasy that people are used to playing. And there's a reason why it's my favorite format. It's because I want to play the games that I'm better than everyone else had and i am such a disturbed individual like i've spent so much time thinking through all the strategy of the game doing the math surrounding playoff best ball like looking at the historical data you know like if i am if i'm having trouble sleeping at night i'm i'm literally thinking through different strategies and things like that for playoff best ball or taking notes for things to research or look into or, or go down like, you know, different game it, trees. It's an obsession for you. Yeah, yeah, because that's just how I am. And so I'm, I'm trying now to take all of the knowledge that I've accumulated for this game, and the advantage that I have, and I want to share it with people. Uh, I, I, I just I think that it's a game where I have such an advantage that I can probably get someone that listens to what I have to say to win. So like I. That's that's what I'm playing for. Like, of course, I want to win, but I really, really want that message or that you know, just to know like I helped someone bink something. That would be really awesome. So, well, I appreciate you uh, you sharing it with us. 
Um, so uh, just 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 to keep us moving, um, I think we're ready to move on from this chart and uh, display the true wide receiver king of uh, 2023 in, in Tyree Kill. Um, and so this is our this is the same chart, but it's a 70 to 85 percent roots run, and and uh, really the, the, these guys are all starters too. Um, but you, you have to uh, you if, if we put these guys along with the guys in the first chart, it would just be a pure blob. So we ha we have to separate them out somehow. Um. Interesting to see. Uh, I, I guess Debo Samuel's had, had has had some big games now, um, and uh, he he's he's a he, he's a 49er, so he's he'll obviously be come with a high value, um, and that, that's sort of reflected in the price as well. He's pick of ADP. Uh, ADP is eight. Yeah, yeah. Debo certainly efficiently priced, in my opinion. Um, you know, Nico Collins was a guy that prior to last week with the injury I and, and the loss for the Texans, I was willing to right. move in. Now the Texans are kind of do not draft list for me. And it's, again, it's one where it's, I'm totally happy waiting and seeing. Let me, let me see right. if the Texans make the playoffs. If they do, their price isn't going to go to the moon. I'm not going to miss out on the last chance to draft cheap Texans, you know? So at this point, you don't need to buy a Nico dip or buy a Stroud dip. Like, don't get cute with this kind of stuff. Honestly, like, there's so much stuff in playoff best ball where once you get the the baseline strategy, like, the learning curve isn't that steep. Once you, you become educated on this is, like, the optimal way to play the game, you don't need to get that cute. People suck at this game. They're so bad. It would be like if we're playing Texas Hold'em and your opponents just are, like, refusing to use their second card they get dealt two cards and they throw one off the table and they just play with one card the whole time so like you don't need to get cute when you got a good hand call them when you don't have a good hand fold you don't need to get fancy we don't need to range merge we don't need to polarize our ranges or anything we don't need to be you know looking at solvers uh you know just you know play abc poker here um and so that's kind of the approach you take with playoff best ball so don't need to get crazy with Nico Collins. Same thing with Mike Evans. Like, would I like to have some last round? Like, whew, let me let me paint you a picture, Drico. The Bucks win the division. I get my last three picks of the draft to sneak my, you know, my Ravens team. Ravens get the bye. I'm trying to sneak the Ravens through on the bye week. My last three picks of the draft, Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Rashad White. Who says no? Right. Um but you don't so, need to do it right it, now. Right. I, I was going to say, that, that's another situation where you're perfectly happy with them as a stack, but uh, but you'll get that as cheap as you want, mostly pretty much the entire uh, draft season, and, and you get to wait until it's it's a short chain rather than uh, get a, try to get cute with it. Yep. You don't, you don't gain anything for the additional risk that you're taking right now. And that's, and that's really how I felt about the bills last week too, is they, and they didn't, they moved up a little bit, but they didn't move up all that much, but now it's, we're, we're kind of getting to critical mass. And I would bet you that through this week, the bills continue to move up because the way that ADP changes in these contests is as we get the new playoff odds delivered to us, 
after all the games settle on Monday night and, you know, all the, the different sources that are providing these playoff odds, whether it's, you know, New York Times or Sumer Sports or what have you, you know, you're looking at these odds. Once the market gets a hold of those, then there's a couple days of drafting where the market moves towards those new lines. And so what we're going to see, I mean, I'm already seeing the bills move up. I bet they keep moving up past their current efficient price. So that's why I want to hit them now and why I was willing to wait earlier and, and kind of same, same thing for, but even to a greater extreme for these teams that don't really have a chance to make a deep run. Like the bills, I can tell myself a story where they make a deep run and get to the conference championship. Right. But like, I have a really hard time telling myself that story with the bucks or telling myself that story with the saints. And so that's why we, we do right we do with those guys. So, and so somebody else, that uh, that sounds out to me here is that so Quez Watkins, he's in like the seventy and the seventy percent root share for the Eagles, and he was somebody I, who I used to love to draft because he's a starter uh, for the Eagles, and um, but he's in the like they never target him, he doesn't score any points. Is he worth? Is 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 that somebody who's worthwhile tacking on to the end of a? Uh, an eagle stack or is it someone like sure what's the point for me not really because right like i talked about you can get a full you could get like a five-man eagle stack like you can go jalen hurts aj brown devonta smith dallas goddard uh deandre swift and then like you want a sixth eagle because you you're, they're making the super bowl and you want to have an extra bet over everyone else that gets there throw kenny gainwell on there like you don't even the the run out, so far deep down the yeah the run out where you get to Quez Watkins is pretty hard for me to get there and I personally am, am pretty low on the Eagles um for for like their uh, like you know you get so let, let me put paint you a scenario though so you've you've taken Jalen Hurts and you've gotten um AJ Brown and DeAndre Swift but you're in one of those drafts where people don't draft efficiently. And they just take them on you, and and I guess okay, you, you could you could, you could take Kenneth Gainwell and and pair him with Swift, um, but is is even that a scenario where where Quez is worthwhile looking at, or is it like you know I'll just take my lumps and um, I'll figure out how to to fit that like smaller eagle stack into other stacks. I definitely lean towards fitting a smaller Eagles stack and going deeper on my other Super Bowl opponent. Um, what I'll say, though, is there can be value in showing up as the only guy with Quez Watkins to the Super Bowl, right? If it if, if you get to the 400-team final and you're literally the only guy with Quez Watkins and, like, there's a non-zero chance that Quez pulls in a deep touchdown or something and that's all the money, right? right? But... For me personally, I want to make the higher probability bets because, like I said, the game doesn't have to be hard. Like we can kind of keep it simple in this format and and slow right. our opponents. So we don't need to get fancy with the Quez Watkins stuff. But if you want to, 
if you got a lean that, oh, I'm really bullish on the Eagles and I'm super overweight Eagles and you want to mix one Quez Watkins team in there, maybe, you know, if you're doing a ton of volume, maybe two Quez Watkins, you know, you're maxing the gauntlet, the mitten, the gauntlet to the mitten to the gauntlet returns, the mitten returns, the mitten returns again. Like you're doing all that. Maybe you get three got thousands of dollars invested yeah. in Eagle stocks. Yeah. Maybe, then, maybe like, then you don't want to fade full fade Quez. Otherwise, you probably should. Yep, that makes sense, and, and that that is that is helpful. That is helpful for sure. And anybody else you want to touch on here? Brandon Cooks all of a sudden becomes a really good pick for playoff basketball, right? Like he was just a mediocre, like whatever kind of player before, um, but like it's playoff basketball now, and he's on a on a team with high probability, so he's all of a sudden really good. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle, uh, the dolphin, the vibes around the dolphins are now bad because Tyree kill is hurt. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm scared about the dolphins too, without Tyree kill. So I've been, I've been kind of just like waiting and I've been lurking. I'm lurking on my dolphins exposure so far this week. It just, you know, if I get a big fall or I get, I get put in a situation where the dolphins are the highest EV path remaining to me, then I'll take it. Um, but, you know, in the event where Tyreek Hill's not right, maybe Jalen Waddle has to step up. It's been a, a bit of a disappointing season for him. But we've seen what this player can do. Like, Jalen Waddle's not a jag. You know, it's just it just really has been a down season for him. So maybe he comes on at the right time. You know, what if we got those kind of Jalen Waddle games that we saw with a decent frequency last season. It's not like Jalen Waddle had one spike week last season and we all got head over heels for him. The guy was delivering spike weeks pretty good last year. So I'm I'm not willing to write him off just yet. It's like, a, you know, I, I think the, the sentiment's pretty low on Jalen Waddle. You see him fall often in playoff basketball. So that's another one where it just, you know, keep keep an eye out for it. Okay, got it. Um, got it for sure. Um, so let's say uh, let's move on. Oh my God! <laughs> it's it's uh, Rashi Rice, Jaden Reed, Parker Washington, Curtis Samuel, fifty feet of crap. Everyone else, actually, that's a lie. Odell Beckham, uh, right. his role is is starting to come on a little more. He's just like this low, low snap, but you know, higher. Uh, he, he gets looks. He honestly, right. Odell Beckham is the Odell Beckham is Rashi Rice That's jumped true. in a time machine, became dusty, and played for the <laughs> Ravens, right? Like, we'd love if he ran more routes and was on the field more. But it's like when he's out there, he's getting targeted and he can do stuff. So I think that if you look at Odell Beckham as the geriatric Rashi Rice of the Ravens. That's probably you know who reminds me of um, Antonio Brown his last year with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, where he was like a low snap share, but they were like, okay, this this is one of our best players. We want to get him the ball whenever he's on the field, and yeah. so like it was like the the target share stuff ended up still being good. Yeah, that's that's a good call for sure. So yeah, Odell Beckham, all of a sudden, very sexy in playoff best ball. There's actually a couple guys on this chart that are are guys that I have good exposure to already. Not just like, a, oh, I mix them in here and there, but like Michael Gallup, 
pack the bags, baby. Like, give me, give me the Michael Gallup. Jalen Tolbert, sure. Rashi Rice, yes, please. A heaping helping. You know, like there's there's plenty of guys on this chart that actually are relevant for playoff best ball, but it's all team driven, right? It's it's not that we think these guys are gonna have a huge breakout or anything. It's just that five points in the Super Bowl can be worth $150,000. So that's that's why. And I do know that uh, Rashi Rice had an 82% uh, uh, route share last week, 27% targets per run. So like he's keep, he's that's one of those things where he's like increasing the route share and keeping the uh, the target stuff. So like he, he, and he had a solid week last week. I, I've talked about Rashi Rice to the moon, but I, I think that's like a genuinely like strong sign and signal of like him becoming more and more important and like reliable week to week in fantasy. I agree. I, I think Rashi Rice is the Chiefs receiver to own. You know, of course, Kelsey is going to be the one there, but. You know, after Kelsey, it's it's Rashi Rice as the guy to own if you're trying to play anything uh, Chiefs in playoff best ball. So. And, like, to me, it's starting to, to cook up, like, that Rice will be, like, his value has, has jumped so much that it, I think it might take the market, like, in, in, in next year's best ball a good while to catch up. Like, I if I just tell you the, the – what's that? I said, I hope you're right. <laughs> like, if I tell you that, like, he's going to be an 80% route share, 27% target spread run all, all next year for the Chiefs, it's like, what is what is the value on that? It's, that, that? it's like really high, right? Fifth, fifth round? Sixth round? If Kelsey is still there, right? Or you think higher? I almost wonder if it's higher. Do you, like... Yeah. Or would you say higher than the fourth? Like that's that's where we're looking. I mean, at higher, higher than the higher than the fourth, I start getting really uncomfortable. But like, yeah, I think like the fourth is like, yeah, maybe the fourth is like the top of the range. Because like Brandon Ayuk was going in the early fifth, right? And I don't think that his value gets there. I I think the fifth. I think I think. I think efficient price is probably the fifth round. I think five, six right. turn maybe even, but that's, but I, I bet you that we could get him. I, I think you might be right that the market might let him right. be a little cheaper than that for too long. So, um, but we've ruined it now. We told the ship chasers about it and we've seen what ship chasers do to Kansas city chiefs, wide receivers, ADP. Um, and you know, yeah. I, I know it's gonna, it, it, there's a discount. It'll be quick. Yeah, he's no uh, Sky Moore with the the sickest name that we've ever heard. But I got to say, Rashi Rice is a pretty sick wide receiver name. So we might need to make a clip for next season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I get fun, cheap ways to bet on Rashi Rice next year. But we uh, will see. We'll see. Uh, I, I think that's all that we need to cover on yes. this part. Um, and so next week, I will not be joining you. I'm going to be traveling for the holidays. Um, so I believe that you're going to have a special guest hosting with you. And we're going to get some industrious member from the Ship Chasing Discord to run my code to 
pop out these charts. So we've still got them for next week. Um, before I leave, uh, I, I am going to a state where I'm not able to draft underdog teams. Very unfortunate, but you know what? Probably good that I'll be forced to spend some time with family and not, uh, not just be buried in my phone, mindlessly drafting uh, playoff basketball teams for the entire week. But uh, before I leave, we, we are going to drop uh, one more premium pod over at Leg Up for playoff basketball. Uh, we, Pat might get mad at me for this, but we should have the tool out this week. I would, I would say earliest is probably tomorrow and probably Thursday by the latest, but I'm super excited to share that tool with you guys. Um, and so I, I would anticipate that we're certainly going to go over some use cases for it on the Friday pod as well. And then once I'm back uh, from the holidays, I'll be in, uh, you know, all the all the usual Discord channels you can find me, but also over in the Leg Up Premium Discord channel. I'm probably going to be doing some live drafts of playoff best ball there. And if you are drafting playoff best ball and you're new to it, or even if you're not new and you're just wanting to make sure that you're you're dialed in and you're drafting really solid teams and you want me to, to backseat you and kind of sit with you, we can hop in a voice chat there. And I'm, I'm happy to do that with members of the community, try and get you guys uh, in the best position possible to shift these playoff contests. So um I won't be seeing you for a couple weeks, but Drico will see you next Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in, and uh, see you next Tuesday.